This is the MLW Radio Network. Time to start your day the right way with front row material. Starring ECW legends Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whitbrick. Now, let's welcome your host, Mike Freeman. Hello, how are you? My name is Mike Freeland. It's another Tuesday night. This is Front Row Material. I am always joined by my wonderful, wonderful co-host who somehow is not available on the video version of the show right now, but his name is The Rit. And it looks like the Rich just got disconnected. Hopefully, he'll be joining us soon. Uh, we got a great show for you guys tonight. So it'll be the Rit and I talking some wrestling. And then tonight's big guest is going to be Angelina Love. Make sure that you hang around for that. That's going to be coming up uh, at the top of the hour at the 9 o'clock. And then we're going to be talking about the end-of-year awards. Yep, that's right. You guys, the listeners, the front room material, went ahead and weighed in on what your favorite uh, themes were, interviews were, panel members, etc., etc., etc. And we're going to be going over that, the winners and uh, acceptance speeches and all that good stuff. And then coming up at 10 o'clock, we're going to be doing the panel. Got some great, great wrestling topics that we're going to be talking about. Hopefully those will be piquing your interest as well. And as always, we want you to be jumping in the chat. Join us as well. Throw in your comments, your questions, your thoughts. And also, if you would like you'll be able to call the hotline as well. The hotline will be up and running. But uh, until the writ gets here, first things first, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I almost feel like I need a vacation from my vacation break, if that makes any sense. And follow me on this. So it's been a good vacation break as a teacher. Obviously, I don't have to do lesson planning. I don't have to be getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, getting to work, all that kind of stuff. And it's been very nice, but I will say this. We have spent an absorbent amount of time with family, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I feel like I've seen my family more in the last two weeks than I've seen them in the last 12 months. So family time is good time. However, how many of you guys would agree that sometimes there's that time in the evening where you're like, got to wrap this up here dad or mom or somebody's just uncle such and such is going on some type of weird little rant about something kids are all hyped up on candy you are literally just exhausted and uh you just gotta you just gotta woosah yourself for a while so anyway it's been really really good hope your holiday season has been going uh, well as you can see i got a little bit different of a backdrop this week thought i would show off the uh the Christmas tree, and uh, Miss Megan went ahead and put this up. She did a great job, and uh, we haven't taken down any of our stuff yet. So what is the common uh, belief system on when you should start taking down holiday stuff? Does that, does that come down after New Year's, or are you like Mikey Whipwreck who takes this down literally the day of Christmas? Are you like Jerry Lynn who takes it down the day after Christmas. What is your thoughts on that? Definitely throw it into the chat and let us know your thoughts. I don't know what the hell was going on with you, but we're getting ready to start. All of a sudden I hear 
shit's going down at your house, all this rustling and what the hell's going on? And then all of a sudden your screen goes totally blank. Well, <clears throat> I went to move my laptop and apparently I pulled the freaking the, the wire right out. Pulled the wire out. Yeah. Good God. So yeah. so I had to go to my uh my actual laptop uh camera. Uh Boogster says you're a little you're a little hot on the mic right now. What do you mean I'm a little hot in the mic? You're a little hot on the mic. Do you think I'm a little hot in the mic? No, you sound kind of like you're in a tunnel, though. I don't know. Yeah? But, hey, all <laughs> I know... <laughs> yes, please share. You have to be hyped. This is the last show of the freaking year. The last show of the year, that's it. After this, there's no mo. Well, no mo to next year. This is true. But, no, I'm excited. We got 10 awards going out tonight, baby. I was telling everybody, we got the awards, the end-of-year awards. We got Angelina Love coming up at the top of the hour at 9 o'clock. We got the panel coming up at the 10 o'clock hour. You and me right now for at least the next 45 minutes just chatting about anything and everything. So how was your holiday so far, bud? Uh, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. <laughs> He's a man of few words. It no, no, bad. no. It, it, it wasn't bad. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, the kids really, you know, enjoyed the presents they got. I didn't wrap a single thing. Screw that. They already knew what they were getting to spoil so, little brats. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. You don't wrap Christmas gifts. You, not, you, not, you, not if you pick it out. So you took the kids out and you said, what do you want? Go get it. Yeah. So what about Santa? Santa got him whatever else is left over. Okay. In case any kids listening to this podcast, which if you do, I apologize. <laughs> your 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 parents should be shot. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! You oh. should you should not be listening to this podcast without parental uh, guidance. You should. You, <laughs> good God, we're coming hot here. Oh man! Um, if you are a child watching this, and 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 Santa's a big thing to you, um, hey, hope Santa got you everything that you wanted. And uh, if there is an adult that's allowing you to watch this, um, you, you want to ask him to please put the eggnog down. They might be not making some great choices right now. So, um, yes, Boog is saying, is that the uh, the dead ant chair? It is still the dead ant chair. I moved it uh, so you guys could see this wonderful backdrop. Hey. You know, wait a minute here. We we almost went through the entire holiday season, Freeland, mm -hmm. and we did not see Megs blow Santa yet. Megan has not blown Santa, and this is the last episode of the year. So, I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to have our Christmas stuff up. Should I have her come out and blow Santa? I was getting ready to text her if you wasn't going to ask. No, go text her right now. Okay, I'm the let me sit there and throw, throw the old text message out. I text her. I want to say hey to Boog, Order Entertain 2020. ECW fan. Um, thank you guys so much for being in here. Jersey Devil underscore 82. Thank you so for much for uh, for coming out tonight. So while he is doing that, I do want to give you guys a little bit of an update. Uh, and I'll talk about this more when it comes to the panel tonight. But um, a lot of people were, were wondering how I was feeling after uh, last week's episode. Um, it was a very colorful evening, to say the least. Okay. Um, yeah. Some Pepto, some of those, uh, what, what do they call those little, 
They're like chalky little bottle caps that you eat. Ooh, um, Tums. Yes. So I was having some of those, uh, milk of magnesia, all that kind of stuff. Went through a couple of pairs of tidies, but, um, you know, it was all worth it. It was all worth it for for Filthy Tom. Don't sit there and and be so modest, Freeland. Meg's told me, you went through two packs. Two packs of two pairs, but. Two packs of tidy whiteies. And there are three, and she said there were three packs. There were three pairs in a pack. Yeah, so you went through six pairs. Six pairs of tidies, yeah, I did. Th- th- don't be modest. It's okay. That's why you should always get, I, I think, I think it's always a good idea to get the colored underwear if you're going to wear the tidies. Do you wear tidies or do you wear briefs? I got I got to wear the, the boxer briefs because I got I to let the boys hang. You know what I'm saying? Why did you go all like Vince McMahon with that? Because yeah, I gotta let him hang, yeah. Because you gotta have balls the size of grapefruits. Oh my god, unbelievable! I, um, I I can't wait. I got confirmation from Megs. I asked her if she can blow Santa live on the air. Did she Did she respond? She said, "Okay, when?" I said, "Now, please." Yes, come out and blow Santa, and we'll see so, what happens. So, uh, well, this is this is great. You, you know, only here on FRM Pod, you could have you can watch us live. Somebody blowing Santa. I mean, that's not often that that happens. But when you need, when you need to have someone blow Santa, you got to call on the girl who can do it, and she's done it for for many years here. And uh, you know, how many years has she? She started to blow Santa. I'm trying to think here. When we first got it, which had to have been at least two years. Did she? I wonder if she blew Santa when we were at the apartment, not at the house. Uh, I, I know last year was the first she did it live, so I, that's why I said it's a tradition. She has to do it every year now. Yeah, she. Hold on, let me. Megan, <laughs> she's on her way. She's on her way. Freelance. All right, she, she had to get prepped. All right, so let's let's get this ready. So let's see here. Uh, I'm gonna move my microphone for a quick second. All right, here we go. It's time to give Santa a BJ. All right, here we go. I'm going to put this here. I don't know if you can see it. Where is the Santa? Wow, Freeland. All I know is that friggin' aerial version. Is this blurry to you or is this good? No, no, it's good. It's good. All right, here we go. Just at the right spot. Blow him. Blow that shit. Hard. Ah, you turned him off. Turn him back on. Turn him back on. Yeah. Encore. Encore. Get into that. Yeah. That's some good shit right there. All right, there is an official cameo by the wonderful Megan. She officially blew Santa part of 2021. Thank you, honey. That's how you... Ooh. Mate, wait a minute, Freeland. This is going to be the tradition. Yeah. To, to take us off the air every year before we go to the new year, Megs is going to blow us out. That's fine. We're, 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 it's it's going to be a new tradition. That's fine. Hey, I'm all for that. So I am all for that. So uh, when do you plan on taking down your Christmas decorations and all that? Whenever someone else does it, nah, I'm not doing it. You're not going to take any. Uh, I, I, I have a collapsible tree. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? Like you grab it by the top. Yeah. You pull it straight up. Yeah. And then you put a, the bottom post in mm-hmm. and it's done. It comes with lights, everything. 
The whole shebang. The whole shebang. It, it, it's a Disney tree. It's fantastic. You, you, you Disney people. Mikey's into Disney. Are you really hardcore Disney? Uh, depending on what it is. You know, th- there's certain there's certain aspects that I really enjoy. Like, I love uh, uh, Wizard Mickey. That's kind of kind of one of my favorites. I actually, when we were down to Disney, uh, spent a little bit of money on one of the hand-drawn sketches. The uh, Oh, wow. An officially yeah. hand-drawn Mickey sketch? Yes. Wow. So, Look at you. Well, you know, Freeland. High like, roller. Like I always say, money's no object. Well, I, I want to ask you, what did you get for Christmas? What did you personally get? Uh, not a not a whole lot, you know. Got me got, got me a little little thing to take care of my my tootsies. Little little foot massager thing. You put Are your you, feet do you, in. Do you get pedicures? No, but I I know a lot of people that you know who got the like you after you're done trying to retain your championship the diabetes. And and once once your feet are gone, they're gone. So I, I kind of like to take care of my feet. <laughs> once your feet are gone, they're gone. Well, that's kind of the way it works. Yeah. But you know, I just I like to, I, I want to take care of them, make sure I don't have any problems with them. I hate feet overall. They're disgusting. Well, let's, let, let's talk about that for a second. Are you a foot guy? No, they're disgusting. You you don't like pretty feet. No, no. Socks on. You're you know, that's it. Man. There's some people who like feet. No. So if there's any men in the chat in, in the chat right now, let us know if you like feet. If you think feet are very attractive, let us know in your thoughts. I'd love to know. So would you say, Rit, you've never sucked toes? No. You are no way gonna. Okay. Well, I'm a Rex Ryan guy, so what can I say? And if you get that inside joke, you'll understand where I'm going with all of this. Um. So no AEW merch for you? You didn't add to the old collection? No, no, no. I I, I was sitting there seeing seeing if any of the uh, the fans wanted to donate. Do, you are now asking for handouts? No. Well, you, you never know. What kind what? of person are you? What kind of person are you? Actually, looking for listeners to and supporters of this great brand we have to give Fre- you something. Freeland, let me tell you. First things first. Do not say I mooch anything. I never said that. We have got an award coming for you, buddy. That's an award. You, now we don't know if I won yet. Did the are, are the polls closed? Yeah, the poll, polls are closed. Okay. I, I, uh, all, all the uh, the winners are in. They're lined up. I got a few uh, acceptance speeches. Oh, you have some acceptance speeches from uh, some of the winners, huh? Yeah, some of the wieners, some of the wieners. There you go. Hopefully there's a little poo-poo and pee-pee involved in all that, too. You never know. Um, can I, I do want to share a couple things with you um, that I got for Christmas this year. So I did get some uh, AE dubs. I know. I, I know. I know one of them. How do you know this? Uh, Were Meg's, you in on this? Meg sent me a picture and said, hey, is this a good figure? And oh. I said, I said, yeah, you son of a bitch. I don't have that one. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, one of them here is Pentagon. Yes, yes. We got Penta. Let me go 
ahead and put that down. Next one I got. Le Champion. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. I got that guy. What else do I got? Oh, I got Santana. Yes, yes. Very nice. Very nice. You have all those three so far, right? I have all those ones. This one here. No, never mind. Ray Phoenix? It's the next one. Oh, you don't have this guy? You don't have this guy? You don't have Jake Hager? Oh, no, I have that one. Holy crap, how many did you get, Freeland? Well, I'm supposed to get a couple of more because uh, some of my other family bought dupes. So I had huh. to take some back. Huh? And well, I, also, uh... I also got something else. <laughs> um, but I also got this. Da, na, na, na. Thank you for being a friend. It's Fisher Price and those little dolls your kids play with. Yes. Well, they made some for the Golden Girls, so I got that. So uh, uh, I I didn't get to send yours out yet. Send out what? Shut up! What are you doing? What are you doing? It's coming you, your way, my man. Coming you don't your have way. To send me anything. Freeland family, you know, you got to take care <sighs> of each other. You are a good. Well, I feel like I don't. I don't do enough. I don't do enough. I know this. Hey, you sit there and do you, baby. You you, you do you, and occasionally you can do Megs. You <laughs> The urologist says it's good and to keep a good flow going. So sometimes you got to do you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Hey, you. Okay. All right. Um, well, where's that last one at? The last. Figure. Are we talking figure? Yes, the, the, that last figure. I know Meg's better have gotten it. She sent me a picture of a figure. I said, I do not oh, have it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, I'm so, I don't even know why I couldn't even think straight. I tell you what, I'm going to step out for one hot second. I'm going to go get that, and then I'll be right back. You keep talking to all these wonderful people. Hey, you know what I'm going to be doing, baby? Hey, hey, what we're going to do is... Bam! Head right over to brainbustertees.com forward slash other forward slash front dash road dash material. Get all your favorite front row material merchandise. We've got merchandise for every show. We've got your Six Degrees of Written Renegade. We've got your FRM Pod stamp shirt. We've got your front row material written Freeland shirts. We've got, bam, Call to Beardo. Bug, this is for you. Where does the buy the shirt? You've been asking me for months. And we've got future stars now. So, guys, head on over to brainbustertees.com forward slash other forward slash front dash road dash material and get some merch. Send the pics in. We want to sit there and see you in your favorite front row material merchandise. So, guys, head on over there. And get the merch. But also, later on tonight, 9 o'clock, we have one half of the beautiful people, Angelina Love, stopping by. And I can't wait for Freeland to get back in here because, good Lord, I'm kind of jealous that he has this figure and I do not. So, man, when, when Meg sent that, I'm like, man, where is it? I'm jealous. I needs me it. So Freeland, let you come back in. Yeah, so I got it. I completely forgot. I didn't. I need that. 
and it is brand spanking, no creases, no nothing. That there goes right down there. It's the Cody and the LJN box. But that's oh, not the yeah. only that's not the only thing. So she got me all of those. But then guess what? Oh shoot. I got myself four millimeter. Look at you, Freeland. Championship right here. Nice. So it's heavy as hell, too. So I got that. So I uh I made uh, it out pretty well. Yes, you did. I, I'm actually uh, looking for myself. Wasn't that Target, you son of a bitch? Shut your mouth. Saw the Target. Anyway, continue. I, I sit there and talk, uh, thinking about possibly getting the uh, TNT title. I kind of like it. Over the world title? Yeah. I, I like it. Are you going to get the one that has the red strap, or are you going to no, go black? The red strap. has got to be, gotta be uh, the red strap. Yeah. So well, what are your thoughts? Yeah. On Cody being the first three-time TNT champion. I like the idea personally because I think it's exactly what he needs. He's kind of that situation where John Cena was, right? Where he's not a heel yet. He's he's kind of dancing in the world of babyface. Now that he has a belt, I feel like now he can really get, get nuclear heat on himself. And I think this is really going to propel him. I think this is actually what he needs. And I don't think Sammy really needs the title because Sammy was already over. It was great for the belt to help Sammy, but I think it's going to do more for Cody right now. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think the same thing. I think this is the final nail in the coffin for all those fans to give Cody all the heat and turn him, you know, to that heel that everybody wants. Uh, quite possibly, just look at the list of opponents that he could have. I'm kind of big on Lance Archer to go after that title and hopefully come away with the title in the end. Uh, I just don't know what other baby faces they could sit there and throw at him uh, from the mid-card scene that that, that would, it would work out. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's one of those deals where when you look at people on the AEW roster and you try to find out who would be a good viable candidate, I mean, obviously Miro, uh, when he comes back, I think he's been given a great amount of time off. I think there's no doubt Lana will be with him or whatever she's going to be called, CJ or whatever she ends up being called. Can we agree that's a a foregone conclusion? Yeah, I I definitely see, you know, them uh, bringing her in. Hopefully, they could possibly showcase to see if she's actually went further along in her wrestling training. But can can we also agree that you know AEW needs to focus a little bit more on the women's division to elevate that? Also, yeah, no, I agree with that one hundred percent. I feel like I feel like you have a very small pool of women that. You know, I feel like outside of this past week, a lot of the women have been doing a lot of things on dark and dark elevation. Mm-hmm. I love Layla Hirsch. I feel like she 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 needs to be more in the mix. Um, I feel like Statlander. Yeah, I, I Chris had a great match against Layla, and I feel like it's always that's the way with her. They always mm-hmm. kind of throw her out there. She ends up looking good against some of these more mid card women, but when she goes against 
more higher up on the card, she typically loses. I, I'd like to see her more involved in it. I definitely think Serena Deeb needs a big push. Um, I'd, I'd actually like to see Serena Deeb have her own faction. I think that would be really, really cool. I'm uh, a big Serena Deeb fan. Okay, go back a little bit to uh, Statlander. Mm-hmm. Do you think she is the AEW equivalent to Natalia, where she's just out there, can put on a solid match with anybody, uh, and just will never, ever gain that traction she needs? I think... I don't want to say never, but I feel like right now where she's at with the AEW roster, I feel like they they put her with a faction, and she's always been with best friends, but with her and Wheeler Yuta, I feel like that was intended to maybe give her a little bit more of a rub, and I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's done as much as it was expected to do. Now, granted, she alone is great, but I just, I just don't see, unless she changes and she goes away from this happy-go-lucky person and gets a little bit of an edge to her and maybe cut some scathing promos or something, or gets a little fire in her. I feel like she's going to be kind of stuck in that same place. Now, now, but you know, I, I understand what you're saying. She can't hold a candle to Natty. Uh, I'm just comparing her along the lines of that. You can put her in a match with pretty much anybody kind of like what Jerry did a little bit when he was in ECW to where, Oh, we're going to bring someone in for a tryout. You know, we're going to get, we're going to let him work Jerry. AEW kind of does the same thing a lot of times with uh, Statlander, where they're going to have her, you know, new people come in. They're going to work Statlander and they're going to have a a good solid match, just like with uh, Natalia. You can put Natalia with anybody and they're going to bring the best out of them. Even Charlotte said that one of her best matches ever was against Natalia, and that was really early in her career. I'd love to know what everyone's thoughts are. What about Chris Statlander? What are your thoughts? Do you feel like she's somebody who's going to get stuck in that, you know, just that mid-card level where she puts on a great match, but you never really see her going after a championship? Or do you feel like, no, you know, she's she's going to break through? But like I said, Rit, if, if there are some things that she does not change, I don't feel like she's going to necessarily break through. I feel like there needs to be something. She needs to have that feud that that starts to put her more so on the map. I feel like AEW really likes Red Velvet a lot. I'm sorry, I'm not a big Red Velvet person right now. Once again, I need to find that there's fire behind some of these people. I don't really see the fire behind Red Velvet. Jade, I keep going back and forth with Jade. Um I have a strong feeling they're going to put the TBS title on her. I don't necessarily like the idea of that, but that may be something that she needs to kind of propel her. But as far as as Statlander, I mean, she almost needs to either break away from best friends and stand on her own, or she needs to do something, maybe attack somebody or whatever it may be. But they definitely need to give her a more prominent spot when it comes to TV time because she's phenomenal in the ring. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'd love it, to know what other people's thoughts are. Yeah. It's, it's almost like they kind of forced the second woman's title uh, in there because like you don't have that strong. You, you have a lot of women on your roster, but you don't have a strong women's roster to hold two singles title belts. Right. And okay. You have uh 
Taya Conte, excellent worker. She's come, she's come a long way since AEW started till now. Right. Uh, you've got Anna Jay. She's also come a long way, but they're more of a tag team. Like why? I, I don't understand why AEW didn't go for a women's tag team title instead of a second singles title. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I don't know why you would have two women's championships. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, you know, if you are going to make this comparison, WWE has a Raw and SmackDown women's champion. Um, but that may be where the comparison ends. I don't necessarily think if Jade wins, which I think we all know she is, a Jade Britt Baker type of thing. I, I don't find that to be that interesting, to be honest with you. Um I like Brit, but I do think it's time for Brit to drop the belt. Brit is already over. The belt has already done what it's supposed to do. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pull up the AEW women's roster and just kind of look at some of these other people that are on on their roster that they might not necessarily be utilizing very well. Uh, they do a uh, casino battle royale for the women, don't they? Now they do. They they bring in uh, different. Uh, in here, but it's it's not like they're consistent yeah. people that are on the roster all the time. It's usually like the Royal Rumble. You'll have so many spots that are just filler spots. Uh, what would you sit there and think of the women's casino battle uh, royale? Uh, a Jamie Hader winning. I love and, Jamie and Hader. Love her, would, and then have her, you know, build it up to the kind of like the you know Triple H Batista type thing of oh she's going to go after Jade. She's going to go after Jade. And then she turns and says, no, Britt, I'm going after you. You know? I I think that would be that would be great. Jamie Hader needs to be on her own. I don't think Jamie Hader is the type of performer who needs to be in a faction. She's too strong. She's got too much of a personality. I think she's a great talker when she's given a chance to talk on the mic. And her skills are ridiculously good. Um, I do think it's just a matter of time before the whole Britt Baker uh, faction, especially with uh, Rebel, Rebel, whatever you want to call it, Reba, uh, that ends and, and she stops being her lackey because I think a lot of people have been wanting that to happen. And I think Jamie Hader definitely will, will step aside as well. And you will see those two slowly start emerging as well. So, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely kind of head scratching to know why AEW wanted to put a second women's championship within the organization. Uh, it, it's, when you could have gone a couple of different ways, you could have went men's trio and women's trio. You could have done that. And I think that would have been really interesting. Or like you said, a tag team. I think that would have worked out. Yeah, you and I have discussed several times in phone calls uh, about a trio's title. I think trio's title would be perfect. You look at the, okay, you want to have all these factions, but you got to sit there and give them something to work for. Or these factions mean nothing. Well, there's you know. so many people on the roster, though, that, that aren't even really doing anything. And I hate to say this, but there's some people in AEW who <sighs> I question why they are signed to All Elite. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just from a fan perspective, I wonder that. I question that. Yeah, and just look at uh, all the recent signs. Like, I, I understand, uh, you know, if it's a great talent, why not sign it? You know what I mean? Uh, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, but everybody kind of knew somehow that Adam Cole's going to have to make that uh, 
going to have to make that decision. You know, the Young Bucks or was it Red Dragon? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the uh, the Undisputed Era is what I'll refer to them now because I don't necessarily think they have a, a group name yet because they're not quite determined to be a group yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Cole, he, he stated on BTE. I was thinking about doing a podcast just about BTE and covering every episode and going into different things. I don't know if anyone actually does that already, but I will say this. Uh, Kate Hensler, who works with us as well, um, she does a podcast as well, and it goes into all things AEW. So definitely, if you're a big AEW person, definitely check out that podcast. I'll put the information up before the end of the show so you can look at it. But I think they're going to explore the Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole situation. They're going to. Tony Khan made a comment in an interview recently. Why reinvent something? People already knew X, Y, and Z happened in this federation. Well, why don't we just kind of carry that on into ours and instead of just pretending like it never happened? As the opposite, WWE acts like nothing ever happened before. Does that make sense? And it almost, we talk about insulting the wrestling fans' intelligence. Well, that's exactly what it does. And what you saw when you saw Adam Cole pulling uh, Kyle O'Reilly off uh, on, was it Christmas night? Or no, 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 no. That was, uh, uh, was Wednesday. Wednesday was, night. I was on Dynamite. There was a little bit of tension. Did you notice that? There was yeah. a little bit of uncertainty. And I think that's exactly what they're talking about when it comes to the history between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, which has definitely been there for a while. So I think that'll be interesting. You know, speaking of uh, women talent, Jersey Devil wants to put up there, is there someone on the roster you think that can be elevated? Or should you bring in a strong outside talent such as Lady Frost or a veteran like Lufisto? Uh, Lady Frost, isn't she signed with Impact? I think Lady Frost is with Impact. I do believe. Yes. And the working relationship with Impact Wrestling and AEW has since expired. Um, I think she'd be a great addition. However, um, as we all know, I think, is it is it known, is it publicly known, or is this just something I know, uh, who kind of runs the women's division in AEW? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I'll, I'll keep that one to myself. But when it comes to the women's division, I think it would be a great idea to bring in a Lufisto to work with the ladies as well. I think she's dynamic. I think she's got a ton of experience, but I also think she can go. I think she'd be a perfect example, just like a Trish Stratus would be, uh, like a Mickey James would be, like a player coach type of situation. I think that would be that would be tremendous. Um, well, well, look at uh, the possibility of you know bringing in Chelsea Green. I like Chelsea. I just I have some reservations to some degree. Um, I think Chelsea's in the same category as the bunny. I feel like unless she is booked properly and she's put with the right person or she's given the right start from the word go, I feel like she's going to fall into that same category as a Statlander. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. She needs to have some type of, oh my God, I never thought this was in you type of a moment where all of a sudden you start to forget about what they once were, and now you're more engaged and you're shocked because of something that they just did differently. So I think if you package her a little bit differently, I think you can definitely have something to go with here. Yeah, and then if you want to go on the other end, like uh, Jersey Devil sit there and brought up, why not bring in the ROH women's champ, Roxy? 
That's a good question because I do know, I do have on good authority that they are going to continue to defend the Ring of Honor championships. They are still going to keep them going mm -hmm. uh, as long as I guess they can right now. Uh, they are being defended in GCW right now because I do know that Jonathan Gresham uh, has defended his uh, Ring of Honor championship in GCW before, and I think he's planning on doing it again. I don't quote me on that, but I do believe there's another upcoming event that they're going to do where he's going to defend the championship. So I would love to see somebody like a Roxy. Um, I, I think that they have so much talent with Ring of Honor. Speaking of Ring of Honor, not to be jumping all over the place, but uh, Brody, do you think they'll bring Brody King into AEW? There was a vignette that was done, uh, was it like a week or so ago, and it had Malachi Black, and there was almost someone who was like, kneeling or bowing before him and there was a lot of speculation that that was probably going to be Brody King. I thought there was a there was a rumor or something that released that Brody King was signed to AEW. I don't know if there was then I completely missed the boat on that. Yeah. Could somebody confirm that? Yeah, cuz okay. cuz uh, when I I seen that I'm like, man, well there goes that faction. Right. With Tony, with Tony Deppin. Uh, homicide and Brody, and who was the fourth one that was in there? There was a fourth member, also. It's a good question. I do not know, but thank you, Mike Cook, for telling us Brody has already officially signed. Um, I'm a big, big, big Brody King person, and I think he's going to do really well. I think he's another monster. But if you've watched his work in GCW or you've watched his work in Ring of Honor, that guy is ridiculously talented. I cannot wait to see some of the matches that he's going to be involved in. And, um, and for, for a big man, he can move very well. Oh, I agree. I agree completely. I mean, what is he? I want to say he's he's not quite 300 pounds. I would say he's no, like, I would say he's he's easy 300. Do you think he's easy 3? I, I thought think, he was like in the 280s or somebody uh, looked that up for us. Yeah. Uh, um, I would I would say he's an easy 300. Okay, this is a perfect point that I'm going to say here. Here is the perfect point I'm going to make. So I want everyone to hear this. When I talk about somebody who needs to break out and do something different, right? Mm -hmm. Hikaru Shida. She kind of changed her look and went more badass. Hikaru Shida is different than that smiley girl who used to come out. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. They need to do that with Statlander. They need to make her a little bit edgier because it made Shida really, really relevant again and popular again. People were excited to see her. So I'm excited about her. I'm excited about Jamie Hayter. Here's my question. Leva Bates. I, she's on BTE quite a bit, but I don't watch Dark or Dark Elevation. I don't know if anybody in the chat does. Is she featured on any of those other shows? Because I honestly, her record in AEW is 0-2 for singles and 0-1 in a tag team. Yeah. Well, no. look at look at some of the others. You had uh, Penelope Ford. Penelope Ford is interesting. I think Penelope Ford um, is good. Now, do I necessarily see her as a world champion? Probably not. Um, I, I like her. I think she's got a great look, and I think she can wrestle well. You know, she's done a lot of intergender wrestling. When I was doing a little bit more research on her, a lot of intergender wrestling. And I think that she would be good as a tag team. If you were to put her and the bunny together, and I think they could be a tag team, 
but you well, don't you don't have a lot of those really established well groomed wrestlers like I hate to keep saying this but Serena Deeb Serena Deeb reminds me of a female Bret Hart yes like like to me I honestly think that uh well, for one, Penelope and the Bunny were a tag team for the longest time. They they, they worked together, of course, going up against uh, Anna Jay and and Conti. So, hmm. I I also feel like, and, and tell me if you agree with this, you still need to have almost that like Nicole Bass type of female in your division, like a monster, and. I guess you could say that would be Nyla Rose, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose is somebody who she's not intimidating. I mean, I, I know they try to present her as being an intimidating force as this, you know, larger female who can dominate her opponents at will, but I don't have that. Oh my God feeling. You know what I mean? Like, okay, they need to have somebody in there who's a lot more, I feel like, intense. A bigger, intense wrestler who can kind of dictate the pace of a match and destroys people. And I just don't feel like that wrestler has quite come across their uh, their roster yet. And who, no. is, who is this magical girl? Yuka? I can't even pronounce it. Mike Cook's going to have to answer that one. Is she the girl that during the pandemic when they were at Daly's Place would dance around all the time? She would dance around. She looked like she was a pop singer or something like that. Or is that somebody different? I'm not sure. Yeah. But, you know, you, you sit there and, and look at all. Uh, now, okay, what what are your Mackie, Mackie Edo? I guess, hey, hey, you would do better than I would. Uh, I'm, I did not like that at all. And and that may have got, might have gotten over in Japan, but that whole pop star singing stuff, I was like, what? Whatever. Um, but I, I'm with you. I am I am a little concerned about the women's division. I feel like there needs to be a little bit more, and I don't think they should spread themselves so thin with having two belts when right now you don't even have somebody who is a serious threat to Britt Baker right now. Like yeah. who who are they who are they lining up right now who's going to be a direct threat to Britt Baker? Ruby Soho. You know, but they already did that. You know, you, you you can't just keep bringing people in. And if you look at it, the tag division would have been great to have. Right. You know, because you get more exposure to these women to get people more familiar with them to bring the, the product, you know, full circle and everything. You can bring in other tag teams. You can bring in, uh, who are they? Uh inspiration they used to be the iconics yeah uh you i mean you could i don't know what their contract you know, looks like you, i you, mean you could have brought them in for a tag tag run uh since ring of honor is no more how about mandy and uh angelina love they were a tag team in, in roh so i you know i may be all on an island by myself when i say this 
and I'm not saying this for any other reason other than her, t her abilities in the ring. Uh, put aside all of the past transgressions, the way she's conducted herself, whatever. You absolutely need to finally bring in Tessa Blanchard. I'm sorry, you got to bring her in. You got to bring her in. And I and and I know everyone, every the dirt sheets that you read and the websites, they say, well, no promotion's going to touch her. Well, for God's sakes, somebody's got to do something because she's untapped potential right there. She has, she has that Triple H in a female version mentality. I mean, for God's sake, she was Impact Wrestling's world champion when she beat Sammy Callahan. So mm -hmm. I think it needs to happen. I think they need to bring in uh, Tessa Blanchard. Um, someone says, let's see here. Uh, is the other wrestler? Okay. From uh, from Joshi. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jersey Devil. If Jade does get the TBS title, do you have to pull the trigger on a Thunder Rosa women's title win? You mean putting her over a Britt Baker, you mean? Yes. Britt's got to give the belt come off of her anyway. It's time. It, it, it is more than, than enough time. I think you do. You have to take the belt off of Britt. Uh, not, now, not to be bouncing back and forth like we have, but... <laughs> I almost feel like I'm on a six degrees of, of written Freeland here, the way we're just going down this rabbit hole. But, uh, okay, what are your thoughts on the open storylines at the end of Ring of Honor? You have FTR and the Briscoes. I think the Briscoes are definitely going to come in um, to AEW. I think they're going to come in. They'll probably sign short-term contracts. They'll come in. They'll have a feud. With FTR, I think that will be huge. Um, I think they may team up with um, an Eddie Kingston at some point in time. Maybe have a trios with maybe FTR and um, either Sean Spears or MJF. I think that would be really interesting. But yeah, I definitely see them coming in and at least coming in for a short period of time before they finally determine what's going to happen with Ring of Honor. Because they're once again, we think they're coming back in April. But we don't have 100% confirmation. Even Carrie Silken, you know, has talked that, you know, Ring of Honor's been great and this has been wonderful. And, you know, the way Sinclair has, has been with them. But there's no necessarily guarantee that this is going to come back. So there's a lot of people who I think really could benefit from being seen on this stage of AEW. And it could really inject some new blood into some storylines that I think would be really interesting. Now, this, there, there's a small rumor that I was reading. Uh, about Ring of Honor, that when they come back, it said that it might be a possibility that they don't sign contracts for long term. They were talking about possibly doing an indie style where we're going to pay you per appearance and we're going to sign you for X amount of appearances. You're going to run those out and then we'll see where, you know, what goes. Yeah, I could see that, but then I also don't think necessarily wrestlers are going to go for that because a lot of wrestlers are looking for a contract that's going to be more of a guaranteed, more stability, if you will, and they're not going to want to look at a couple hundred bucks each night. I don't think they're going to be looking for something like that. They're going to want to look for some level of security. Keep in mind, a lot of these guys and gals have already spent years on the independent circuit. Now they finally get to a promotion and you're being told, I'm only going to give you a per diem, you know, and we'll use you. We may not use you. I, 
I do think that's the one aspect that people go to WWE for. And that's because there is a little bit more stability and there's more of a steady income as far as a paycheck is concerned. And, and, and trust me, I'm not a WWE defender. I, I don't, I cannot stand that company. But what I will say is that's the one thing that they offer people such as the Samoa Joe's, such as potentially if Johnny Gorgano resigns with WWE, there's things that people look at long-term for their future that says, yeah, I might not be thrilled, but at the end of the day, I got a nice bank account and I'm happy about that instead of being a starving artist. So it really kind of depends where you are in your life. And if you're cool with a per diem every night, that's great. If not, you might want to go somewhere else. Uh, kind of like what Kevin Owens did. He, he took the money because it set up his family. Right. And, and family came first. He, he might not be happy when he goes to work every, every time. And a quick, uh, t- I'm not sure if that's going to be on your topic list, but WWE uh, talking about, you know, we're not going to test. And then rumor has it that Roman Reigns was, he pulled himself from the house shows. Well, we are going to be talking about that on the panel tonight. We're going to be talking about one of our topics is WWE and their COVID-19 protocol, especially with Omicron going all around. What's happening with this? Is that kind of a general consensus within wrestling that we're not going to be testing anymore because of the symptoms with the Omicron not as severe? A lot of people have been reporting that they are very mild symptoms uh, of the COVID brand, if you will. So I don't know what necessarily what's going to happen, but we are definitely going to jump into that topic as well tonight. Yeah, I can't wait. But guys, we're at the top of the hour. Top of the hour. Nana we're going to sit there and hit a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to have you, Angelina Love. <laughs> you almost said Angelina Jolie, didn't you? No, no, no. Oh, gosh. Angelina Love. Don't go anywhere, guys. This is Front Row Material. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me. Two seconds. 
Welcome back to Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freeland. I'm still festive in the holiday season, and I'm joined, as always, by my good longtime friend, The Rit. Man, Rich, I, it's it's been a good show so far. I sit there and can't believe, to this day, that in that video, that is all Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah, and, that's all and, him. And, and all those voices. It's it's crazy. Well, Mikey's he's told me on numerous occasions he's got about 40 or 50 different voices in his head. I mean, you, yes. you do know he wrote Randy Orton's Voices in My Head song, don't you? I, I can only imagine. Yeah. But Freeland? Yes. It is FRM pod time, and we have an amazing guest that is ready to grace our presence. Are you ready, Freeland? I, you know what? I am. <laughs> I almost feel, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this real quick. Do you watch Impractical Jokers? I love it. I watch it 24-7. Okay, so Murr, right? Murr has a huge crush on Winnie Cooper, right? That's yes, kind of yes. the running gag on the show. Well, they her name is Danica. Danica um, uh, McKellar or something like that. Something to that extent. Yeah. Well, it, he had to do an interview with her, but I think he was in like a Speedo or something. And God yes. knows I should, I should never be in a Speedo. Uh, but anyway, it's kind of like that. So you might have to help me because I'm a... Uh, oh, for- Freeland, yeah. she, she just left. Why did you have to say that? Our guest had just left because you said that. Well, it's just you and I right now. Well, she, she was backstage and then she jetted. Thanks. So now, guys, we have no guest because Freeland doesn't know how to control his emotions. I'm sorry. I apologize. But anyways, how about this? We bring on the one half of the greatest entrance in wrestling history, Ms. Angelina Love. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How are you? It's good to see you. Thanks for carving out some time for us. Oh, thank you. We, uh, we're very proud of our entrance. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, before we get started here, what have you been up to recently? How's life been treating you? And uh, you staying safe during all this crazy COVID stuff? Oh yeah, I mean, it really didn't change life for us for us much because I didn't let it change life very much. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we've been good. My son, he's playing Wii. I got him a Wii Fit or a Wii U for Christmas, so he's all about the Wii and the Wii U. So um, he is preoccupied uh, <laughs> while I while I do this. So we had a wonderful Christmas. I hope you guys did too. Absolutely. So, what else has been going on as far as? Uh, you in the wrestling industry, just uh, even obviously before Christmas, what's uh, what's on your radar right now? Um, anything and everything, I guess. 
you know, I just turned 40 in September. And, you know, I think uh, Velvet and I are living proof that age is just a number. Uh, I have, uh, I actually was just finalizing a booking um, right before I got on here with you guys. So I think that because like everybody knows that Ring of Honor people can now take outside bookings and where we could before, but just like for appearances, we couldn't wrestle shows but now we can go wrestle shows anywhere. So we're all just kind of starting to take bookings now. So um, I have a little, uh, a little surgery, a little eye surgery at the end of January. So I'll be taking about wow. six weeks off at that point. Oh, okay. sorry. <laughs> You're fine. He doesn't have pants on. <laughs> just making sure. What? Oh, you got your underwear on. You're okay. Do you want to come say hi real quick? Yeah, we bound for it. That's having a Oh, okay. This is David. Look at this. Hi, David. How are you? Good. Do you have a nice Christmas? Yeah. Good. Does Santa take care of you? Yeah. Whoa, he did take care of you. That's awesome. Um, I think this needs to be plugged in, baby. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Come on back anytime you want, David. He usually makes a cameo. Uh, if, if I do interviews when uh, he's home, he usually pops in to say hi. So, yeah. That's awesome. Sorry, if you were asking a question, I did not hear what you said. <laughs> well, I, I, I did want to ask you this. Do you feel like nowadays, especially with the with the advent of AEW, wrestlers are now really getting to be the independent contractors that they were originally supposed to be for their entire careers instead of what we've seen by WWE, which is, no, you're our possession, you're our property, you can't do this or that or anything like that. Or, do you like it now that the... They call it the door has been opened up. How do you feel about that? The forbidden door. Yeah. The forbidden door. Yes, the forbidden the forbidden door. I think is is the biggest part of it. Um, because before it was like even when we worked in Impact, you know, some people couldn't do indies, but for the most part, we could. Um, you know, Ring of Honor had its rules where it's like you could make appearances, but you can't wrestle. So I think having that like forbidden door opened up is really good. The only thing I worry about with that is it's like, it's so newly fresh and exciting for everybody. If it's done all the time, then it like loses its luster. You know I what agree. I mean? So I, I think it's great to do for certain major pay-per-views or something. But if you're doing it all the time where it's like every week on your weekly show, you have somebody come from another company, then it's like, cool who who's who's coming this week you know you want to keep those things like fresh and exciting i think it's kind of comparable to what wcw was trying to do with goldberg back in the day they didn't want to put him on tv all the time or on all their shows because you wanted to hold back a little bit you wanted people to really appreciate those big moments where if you didn't do that you know it was oh they're back again oh he's here again so there, i do like the concept of what you were saying about vince and i just talked about that on our podcast uh, the beautiful podcast that me and velvet have i had vince on this week vince russo and mm -hmm. he was talking about like the whole women's um revolution evolution thing whatever it's called and you know there was always just used to be like one women's match on a male dominated show for the most part and like the the women and like the short people were like the um you know the matches like the the not the side matches but it was just like the uh i'm not coming up with the right word um the showcase or something you know what i mean where it's like you could have seven guy matches and then you have like a short person match and then you have a women's match and those are the features or whatever if you are doing 
if you're making that as common as all the men's matches, then it takes that feature kind of part away from it, you know? So it's like a very fine line, very did, fine line. How did you guys feel about the whole women's revolution since you brought that up? Because a lot of people will, We started it. <laughs> I was about to say, that was TNA and WWE. You're like 10 to 15 years way behind what they were doing and yeah. what you guys were doing. So Yeah, but WWE likes to take credit for everything, so I think... I, th this is true. <laughs> this is this is very true. But what you guys were doing, let's let's kind of focus on that. What you guys were doing in TNA was revolutionary and was really awesome because it wasn't just the whole bra and panties match and stuff like that. It was, hey, these girls are gorgeous, but they also can completely kick ass and they can carry matches and they can carry a show. So you have to feel really good that you were a part of something like that early on. Yeah, that is something that I'll carry for my whole career and my whole life, because that's something that nobody can take away from us. You know what I mean? It was us OGs that started it. It was the, the dictionary definition of like right place, right time, right people. You know what I mean? Because like had Velvet ever got hired by WWE, she never would have been able to be there. Had I ever succeeded when I was under WWE contract, I never would have been there. Me and Velvet had to do the beautiful, we, we had to be the two to do the beautiful people. We had to come together at that time and it had to be in TNA and it had to be in 07, 08, where it was like WWE went uber PG. And like we were on Spike TV, we were on the man's channel, like Ultimate Fighter was on after us, you know, we were. So as far as like, you know, I think we did one bra and panties match in TNA and like we were devastated. But the funny thing is, is like we didn't really wear much more than that as our wrestling gear anyway. So we were like, why is this even weird? But uh, um. We just, uh, I was talking to Vince about this on our podcast. It was funny. I took kind of a weird joy, pleasure in, like, I understand I'm a very judgeable book by my cover. Like, I get that, you know? Um, and I feel like people would look at Velvet and I especially and be like, oh, they're hot. They must suck. You know, like we get that. And that to me was like, oh God, like that just gave me like so much fuel because I know I'm a good worker. So I loved like people like undercutting me maybe initially and then getting in the ring and like kicking ass. Like that was always like such a like you know thing for me where I was just like, total package, you know? <laughs> Wouldn't you agree that in some ways, and I've noticed this over the years watching wrestling. You know, they say the hot girls, all oh, that. That's why they're getting the push. That's why they're getting seen. Well, I bet you they don't necessarily like that because what happens is it puts even more pressure on them because it's like, oh, you only got hired because of your looks. But then you show them, hey, I'm more than just this, right? But it's gratifying to be able to show that to them. But it also has yeah, to be in some ways annoying. That never bothered me, to be honest, because I grew up watching Pamela Anderson on Baywatch, Sable in WWE. Like I was obsessed with like that big boob, blonde hair, like blonde bombshell thing. I was like, I want to be that. <laughs> and I knew that from like a very young age. Um, so that and, you know, when I came up, I've been in this business for 21 years now. When I was coming up, everything was you have to have implants, you have to have this certain look. So to me, I don't know, that was never something, I think because I always wanted to look that way anyway, it was never like uh, an insulting thing. There was some weird things in WWE 
where, you know, I would get asked like weird questions at like 23 years old. Like, how did I feel my height to weight ratio was? Did I feel like I was a good weight for my height? And was I happy with how I looked? And like, I'm real young and like, uh, this is like a very high up person asking me this. And I don't really know how to answer that. Do I say yes? I think everything with me is fine. And they disagree with me. Or do I say no, I need to improve myself. And then they like that answer. I have no idea what to say. And then I tore my ACL when I was in deep South and I was out for nine months. I mean, I came back like as fast as I possibly could. because I was scared of getting fired. And I was like rehabbing four hours a day, four days a week. I look like a fitness model. I was in ridiculous shape. And this same person, this is like two years later, this same person like pulled me aside and was like, are you okay? Just cause like, you're just, you're so, you're like, you're so small now, you know, and I care about my divas. So, you know, I just want to make sure. And I'm like, I've lost nine pounds in two years. What do you, <laughs> like, I'm just like shredded. Like I'm a small person anyway. So like, I, I guess a 10 pound weight fluctuation can look different on my, on my frame. I don't know. But I remember being like, wow, it's like not good here. And it's not good here either. Huh? There's just like no happy on the one side or the other side. I don't know. So yeah. Did, but as did, far as like looks wise and stuff like that, like I've never had a problem with that because I was always like, Peggy Bundy hair, glitter, eight pounds makeup, butt cheeks hanging out of the skirt, tanner, all the things. Cause I'm like, I've always had the thought process of we're characters, we're performers, we're in a play, we're in a show, we're in a movie. You're not supposed, my personal opinion, I don't think that you should look at the same on a show as you would when you go grocery shopping at 10 p.m. That makes sense. And if I was a guy, I know if I was a guy at a wrestling show, I would want to see attractive females if there's going to be females on the show. Me, my personal opinion. It's interesting. You had touched upon how maybe they weren't intentionally saying something, but they were. Were there awkward WWE conversations? <laughs> were there awkward conversations that at a young age, um, was there anyone that you could talk to? Because I feel like in some ways – Talking to a young female about these different things, knowing that she's putting her heart and soul into a career, it really can lead to body dysmorphic. I mean, it got the guys go through it more than anything. Oh, I but, went through it for sure. And it was because of WWE, for sure. A hundred percent. And no, I didn't have like like a female mentor to talk to at that time. And I've spoken to Chrissy Vane about this. Uh, do you know Chrissy? Connor from the Ascension, his wife. Yes. We were, we were in deep South together. Yes, I do. Um, yeah. And she's back on the Indies now too. Her and I have been talking about how with our experience, time in the business and experience and stuff like that, we would like to be able to be that for younger people now. Like when I'm done physically, like I'll be the part of the wrestling business probably my whole life. Um, it's already been more than half my life at this point anyway. But once I'm done, once I decide to be done physically competing, I would like to have a backstage role as a producer or a trainer or whatever. Um, because I just have so much experience in TV and just working at so many different places with so many different people to be able to give on to like the next generation. And we understand now just with our own experiences and what we've been through, the importance of like being 
that female mentor because we're in that kind of vet position right now. You know what I mean? To be able to be that like for the younger generation coming up and having not had that, we know now the importance of being able to have that. With being in such a male dominated profession. And like you said before, I mean, it can be difficult to know who to talk to. Can I trust this person? I know that a lot of people we've interviewed before said it's a very difficult industry to be in because you don't know who to talk to because you don't know who's going to say what. Um, and it's 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 very tricky. Specifically in WWE, do you feel like it did come – it was difficult, obviously, to either talk to management or anything about some of your concerns? Or did you feel like, you know what, it was kind of looked upon, the culture was like, hey, for the most part, just kind of keep things to yourself? So WWE was not like – whatever I thought it was in my head before I got there. Um, I didn't, I think because I was so young, I got hired when I was 25, I got really, or 23 and I got released when I was 25. So, and we were in deep South. So it was always just like, shut your mouth, shut your mouth and don't say anything. Just you're fortunate to be under contract. Don't do this. Don't do that. Shut the fuck up and just go. Um, so, and it was, a very rough experience on everybody that was down there. Very rough. And I never like, so dreamer, I was dreamers first hire. So he was in talent relations for a while. And then Nova went in. I still call him Nova. Um, Mike Bougie, he went in and I've known him since I was 19. So I, there was like a comfort with Tommy and there was a comfort with Nova. Um, and the only thing I think that I really like spoke I didn't even really speak out, but the one thing that I maybe like commented on, like we, us kids in deep South, we would just be each other's support system. You know what I mean? So like we wouldn't really, cause we didn't even think we could trust many of our superiors either. So we were like kind of our own support systems for each other. Cause we were all kind of going through the same things at the same time. Um, but the, I was told very early on when I was in deep South, like, oh my gosh, like, you're so good. You're so pretty. Like you should be on the road right now. And being like 23, I'm thinking I'm set for life. I was like, you know, at first I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Like, that's so great. I'm so glad. Like, oh my God, WWE thinks I'm good. Like they think I should be on the road. This is going to be great. And then like two years later and watching a bunch of diva search girls just to walk into deep South and then onto TV. And I'm just sitting there like, and then somebody had said that to me another time, like, why are you on the road? Like, you're so good. And I'm like, yeah, why aren't I? Yeah. It wasn't a compliment anymore. At first, it was a huge compliment. And then after, I was like, yeah, why aren't I? What's the holdup? It, it's got to be like I, like we have uh, talked to Matt Cardona before and Brian Myers and whatnot. They and came in when it. I was there. So I was there from the day the doors opened until the day the doors shut. They came in as little 20-year-olds. God bless them. Good and, guys. Such good guys, those two. And they've had similar stories about everything that you're saying about <laughs> who can I trust? Who can I talk to? We're yeah. our own support systems. And I guess for me, from, from being a fan's perspective and hearing these things about people that I really enjoy watching – my heart goes out. That sucks. Like at the end of the day, you have a place that you really want to work at and you had this vision in your mind of what it would be like. And I think in some ways, maybe we've built this up to being the the Disney of pro wrestling. And then all of a sudden you get there and it's like, what, what is this? What is going on here? Like, it's I feel like, like there should be, it's like a weird toxic relationship where it's like, even though you know, it's probably not good for you and your mental health, 
you're still so attached to it because it's been your dream since you were a kid, you know? So it's like, it's, it's a very, it really, it really can kind of mess you up. And it doesn't do that to everybody. I would say a large amount of people, <laughs> um, you know, I just, yeah, it was definitely not what I thought it was, but then again, what did I even know to base off of what I could think it was, you know, I was a kid growing up watching it. So, um, but so what, but, and then when I got released, I was devastated, like devastated, like had to drink to fall asleep for a month straight type of devastated, like devastated. Um, and it took me many years because I always wanted to have that WrestleMania moment. You know what I mean? Like I lived for that when I was a kid, I always wanted to have that, but then like Velvet Knight specifically and numerous other people in TNA, we were able to become like that household name, be on pay-per-view, be on TV, travel the world without having that machine behind us. You know, so we're very proud of that because a lot of people think you have to have that WWE behind your name for anybody to know who you are. And I think Velvet and I specifically are living proof you do not. Um, but it, like I said, it took me many years to have that 2020 hindsight of it working in WWE probably would have destroyed me, probably would have destroyed me. And it was a, a, a universal God-like detour into something that was way better for me that once again, it could have only been velvet and I, it could have only been at that time and had either of, I made it in WWE, we never would have been able to come together and do the beautiful people. And that's like what we're known for. So very happy for that. Well, Angelina, we have a listener that wanted to ask you a question. Uh, what's your next plan after the ROH hiatus and who's your next opponent? Um, so ROH is coming back at Supercard, which is WrestleMania weekend. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, we don't know. Uh, after final battle, it was kind of like, we're all taking the rest of the year off. Like people in the office probably are just like, nope, we're done. Holidays, and then we'll come back January 2nd and we'll go pedal to the metal. So I believe there's a bunch of restructuring that needs to be done. I'm sure lots of familiar faces will be back. Some won't. Um, we don't know. But I know they are like Supercard is a definite go WrestleMania weekend, um, and then after that, I think where it's it'll be like the house show, the live event company, which is good because I don't think WWE does live events anymore, and I don't know if Impact travels either. So I'm like, you know, that could actually be a really good thing and just be Ring of Honor's like specific thing. Um, but I think we're gonna find out in the next couple two to three months a whole lot more because we were all kind of like. Uh, shocked with the news and you know you only have so many you have questions but then like they don't even know yet they're like let's we just need to finish out the year (laughs) get through the holidays and then it's like go time in January so um I do have one booking in January before I have my my little surgery um and it is a surprise (laughs) let me ask you my March and April is actually starting to get to be really busy too let me ask you this. When it comes to, you know, taking bookings and whatnot, I would imagine be in earlier in your career, right? Did anybody ever tell you when you were training with Deep South that, or even prior to Deep South, that it was hard to break into the wrestling business? Did anybody ever have that talk with you? Like, hey, this isn't going to be easy or, you know. No, because I was already in the business. By the time I got hired by WWE, I was already in the business for four and a half years. I started when I was 18. 
So well, I just dove in headfirst. <laughs> so, so straight out of high school, basically, you decided this is what I'm going to do. And so this I graduated is where... high. I graduated high school at 17, and I started college at 17. So it was like my second year of college. Yeah, my mom didn't want to let me and my sister like take a year off in between high school and college because she feared we just wouldn't end up going. So she was like, nope, you graduate and you straight graduate in June, you're back in school in September. So I just got an associates in sports administration because I was just like, what's the closest to wrestling? What's the closest to wrestling that I could do? And that was like the closest thing that they could suggest. Um, so yeah, I started, I just started on my own. And it, basically the only females who were on the Indies at that time, Tracy and Gail were doing Ron Hutchinson's, I think it was AWF in Toronto. But if you worked for Ron, you only worked for Ron. So they weren't doing a lot of other shows. So when I started, they were doing AWF and just AWF. I was doing like every Ontario Indie. Um, and like the only girls were like strippers or guys' girlfriends who were like valets for the show. So I come in like this little blonde, like wrestling loving 18 year old. I've got a Austin 316 wallet. And like, I can't wait to tell everybody about all my favorite wrestlers. And they were just like, cause they were like, you're actually, you're actually serious about like, you actually want to do something and go somewhere. And I was like, yeah, who does it? <laughs> but they didn't know that because it was always just like random valets or random strippers doing something. They weren't used to seeing somebody like young and hungry and serious coming in. So it, and it was just like, so basically like nobody really prepped me for anything. Um, I, for me, it was just experience as I go. <laughs> what was, uh, what was mom's thoughts? We always like to ask the question, what do the, the parents feel about, you know, wrestling's My obviously not something that, you know, parents, you know, are always going to hear, but when, uh, when you expressed that interest, what was the, the parental version of, I don't, you. so I don't think they were too shocked because like I was voted most likely to become a professional wrestler in my graduating high school yearbook. They knew my obsession. My dad had taken me to like live events in Toronto when live events still used to get 30,000 people. And uh, so they knew I was like crazy, crazy about it. Um, <laughs> but everybody has to make an appearance every time I do interviews. Um <laughs> So they were, so my mom, I mean, my parents are rock stars. I, they've like been able to do more than I think that I could ever do as far as like parenting, like just being a 16 year old and my parents would be like, my sister and I would go out and they'd just be like, all right, be back by 11. And you know, there's like no cell phones at that time. I was like, how did you guys sit at home and not lose your minds for six hours? Um, so they were fine at first. Cause I started off valeting. I never planned on being a wrestler. Never, never. I was going to be Shawn Michaels valet. And that was it. So I started off managing for like a year and a half. Um, and then I was always with the same two guys that I, this tag team that I managed and they were always wrestling the same two guys. And I always had the same two spots for like every indie show for a year. And I'm a Virgo. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta have new things. I got I'm a perfectionist. I need to do more. And so, um, so I was, so I just wanted to start wrestling. And when I told my mom that she was like, why? I thought you just want to be a manager and stay on the outside and be safe. <laughs> but I had already gotten like injuries because I was like taking bumps when I shouldn't have been. And so I started training and I think after three weeks I quit perfectionist, major perfectionist. I couldn't, um, I, I was just so lanky. I 
with bumping, you know, it's not natural to just throw yourself on your back. So I would just always like land on my tailbone and whack my head and land on my tailbone and whack my head and my elbows and just everything. My tip. I couldn't like when I would get home, I couldn't lift my legs. My tailbone was such a mess. I couldn't lift my legs up the three steps from the garage into the laundry room. It was, I had my head hurt all the time. My elbows were black and I was like, and I couldn't get arm drags. I couldn't get arm drags because you have to bridge and go with it. And it was just weird movements. And I was just so frustrated. I was like, maybe this is just not for me. I'm just, and I stopped for six months and then it just made me crazy. I was like, I need to try again. I have to go back. Like just, it was just something in me. And then once I went back, it was like, everything just started clicking everything. And then, you know, you get that momentum, you're rocking and rolling, you start feeling more confident, more positive and just go from there. Who was your, uh, your first trainer during all this process before, uh, before you end up getting signed? So I think the first three weeks that I did that training, I was trained by EY um, in Cambridge, nice. Ontario, Eric Young. Yep. Um, and then I trained with Rob Fuego uh, in Toronto. He was, um, he wrestled as Rob Fuego. He very, very close with Christian Edge, Rhino, Johnny Swinger. He was always doing the dark matches anytime WWE would come to the Sky Dome or anything. So he was good, just never got signed. And he was so good. He helped train me, helped train Gail, Tracy, Taylor Wilde. Um, he was like, we couldn't have asked as females for a better male trainer than Fuego. Go ahead, baby. So, man, there's so many things you've shared with us already, which is is fascinating. From <laughs> I've lived a few lives. Yeah, from graduating <laughs> high school, obviously going on to college, and you know, then you know, deciding that this is definitely what I want to do, to then quitting it after only so many weeks, and then deciding, you know what, I've got to. It's in my blood. I come back. Um, so, kind of to fast forward here, after you left, you know, WWE with um, very mixed feelings about the wrestling business. What was the very next thing that kind of crossed your mind? Was it, hey, I have to pick myself up and keep going? Or what was the next person that talked to you? Um, well, it was only a five-month period between getting released from WWE and appearing and being under contract for TNA. Correct. So the thing that was so weird was I had been living in the States probably for like a year Okay. When I got released from WWE. Okay. So I, so I was down in the States for about a year. I got hired. I went back up to Canada to get the work visa, came back down. I was down there for two years. And then to me, it was just, I didn't know how to like probably really handle that at the time. Cause like when I got hired, it was like, Oh, I'm set for life. I'm going to be a diva. And I remember when we all got into deep South, Tommy hired all of us. He came down and he talked to us and he's, he's always, a, he's always very honest. Here's your best case scenario. Here's your worst case scenario. No bullshit. And he's like, best case scenario. Y'all become superstars, WWE champions, make millions of dollars do a hundred WrestleManias, whatever. He's like, worst case scenario. And what will happen to all of you guys? And I mean this in the nicest way possible, but this is just true. All of you will get fired at some point. And we're all new and we're just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's true. Cause I mean, basically all of us have that we're in deep stuff. Anyway, at some point down the line, we've all got fired. Um, I'd say the only person uh, Connor obviously did really good. Um, Banks is back there. Uh, MVP. Mm -hmm. um, Luke Gallows, you know, so I mean, like we've all done well in like our kind of separate outside of WWE ways. Um, 
but I was so devastated when I got released. I moved in with my sister in her town. Like I never had any plans of living in Canada again. You know, I was just like WWE and beyond forward, forward, forward. I never thought. So when I was, when I was back, go ahead, baby. Go ahead. When I was back and, and I'm just letting him have candy now. So <laughs> um, when I was back in my sister's townhouse, like sleeping in the guest room, I was just like, what is my life? Like, what am I doing back in Canada? How am I not a WWE diva anymore? Like, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I had done a couple appearances for TNA when they were at the asylum prior to getting hired by WWE. And I knew a ton of people that were there, Saban, Alex, Shelly, Scott, DeMar. Like, I mean, I knew almost everybody that was there from being there and then from Indies prior to that. So when I got released was, I mean, just a couple months later was when they came up with the idea for the knockouts division. So then they contacted me. That's when they were going to start it. So they contacted like uh, nine or 10 girls at, at once. And I was one of them. And, you know, I worked for Demora's BCW when I was 19 years old. That's where I met Terry Taylor. They were both in TNA at the time. Um, so they just contacted me. So I got released in May, 2007. And then come September, 2007 was when we all, kind of went in right at the end of that month. And then we did that big battle Royal to crown the first champion. It was October 07 at bound for glory. So it wasn't a huge time in between. I did a couple Indies and I was with TNA. So who would you say was your biggest supporter as far as the women's division, all of you ladies, when it was in TNA, did you feel like, obviously it was a contrast from what you experienced in WWE. Um, a lot of people, even Jerry said that he he really enjoyed and had a lot of fun in TNA. So tell me a little bit about how you felt emotionally. Was there an emotional connection along with a professional connection? Did you feel like, okay, this is the experience that I wanted to have when I was going to be in WWE, but yet I'm having that experience now, but I'm somewhere else? Yeah, I think, uh, once again, I was so young. I was 25, you know, um, and... I was just so happy because, I mean, when I was in WWE, I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be on pay-per-views. I wanted to be doing house shows and traveling, but I never got to do that. I was immediately doing that in TNA. So I was just so happy about that because that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. It didn't happen where, like, maybe I thought it would have. But once again, I, I probably would have got destroyed in WWE. Destroyed. Um so yeah, TNA was just was just perfect for us. You had mentioned, you know, being destroyed with with WWE. Do you mean as far as just they wouldn't handle you properly? They wouldn't have positioned you correctly? Tell me a little bit more what you mean somebody about that. Somebody was somebody made my experience there horrendous to where I didn't even want to get on TV, which is weird. Like anytime they would come to the Atlanta wow. area, we always had to go. And I never wanted to go because of this one specific person. Wow. Um, so, which is very weird because it was like, I kind of just wanted to stay in the bubble, the little developmental bubble just a little bit, but I feel like it would have destroyed me mentally and emotionally, not physically. I'm physically, I was good to go um, mentally and emotionally probably. So I feel like that was kind of a saving the detour that I had 
to not be to get released and then because my release was bs i got like two different reasons and one of them was creative had nothing for me and i was like i'm supposed to go to tv in four days what do you mean creative has nothing for me and you know i knew it wasn't a real reason so so, so when uh tna went and contacted you so, uh who's the uh, initially pitched you the idea for the beautiful people eventually well that was mine and velvet's idea um, oh, so and yeah, and we you guys worked on it, with, it to them. Yes, because there was so many new girls at one time and Velvet and I were so similar in many ways. We knew each other prior. Cause like she had come down to deep. We did W E W pay-per-view indie shows in Philly in like Oh three. And then she came down and had like a week tryout when I was in deep South. And then we did an indie together prior to both of us starting TNA after it got released from WWE and then prior to us starting TNA. So we both knew that we were going to be there and we have so many similarities as far as like personality quips and sense of humor. And, you know, we were always the ones who was like 10 pounds of makeup, Peggy Bundy hair, as sexy as we can be all the tanner and the glitter and all the things. So, and I think because we knew each other when they were trying to find out like, um, uh, pairing up girls like for hotel rooms, we would always have like a roommate in a hotel room and whatever. It was like me and Velvet, me and Velvet, me and Velvet. We'll travel together. We so we became close very quickly, and we realized we were kind of like scanning the uh, the like the atmosphere, and we were like, we're, there's so many new one singular character women here. We need to be different from that. So we wanted to do a tag team thing. We we're like, let's be a little group. Let's be a little, we got these so many similarities. Like let's, let's let that be our different thing to where everybody is one singular person, but we're like two, we're a team, we're a group. Mm -hmm. um, so we brought that up to Vince and he loved it. We, you know, Vince was such an easy person to work with. He always, always listened to ideas, was always there to talk, was always so supportive, covered the show and the women, just we, the opportunities were always so equal. And the only thing that we didn't agree on was, the name <laughs> we actually so we started tna with both of our indie names talia madison and angel williams for like the first two months we were there and then all of a sudden i guess they just decided they wanted to change our names and have it be a different tna specific thing and then they gave us velvet sky and angelina love we hated them at first we were like these are the dumbest lamest like when i called tal and told her what her name was she freaked out she was like what is even a velvet sky oh. and i was like angelina love i was like love love like that's my last name and but they thought they're real creative because angel was an angelina so it's like not too far off and i was like oh my god so but we love them now obviously like love them now but at first we were like we would have appreciated some input on this um but we because we had literal porn star names we were like let's just go with it whatever so we wanted to call ourselves velvet love entertainment like there you go sounds like a porn company perfect we're just going with the flow and we're making it work and but then literally as we were telling vince that's what we wanted to be our name he said the beautiful people and we were like that's so lame <laughs> like what a the we're gonna be a the like, oh no, we were like, that's so tacky. We thought it was so tacky, but he was like dead set on the beautiful. We thought Velvet Love Entertainment was so creative. We were like, oh, this is it. And he was like the beautiful people. And we were just like, 
but once again, it was like, it worked out. <laughs> so when it came to obviously the dynamics of the women's division in, in TNA, you have so many iconic matches um, within that organization. Do you feel like in some ways TNA does not get the credit it truly deserves um, when I say back in its heyday, obviously when you guys, when everything, the machine was going, um, I feel like a lot of people overlook how good the matches were in TNA. Do you feel like it's just kind of a footnote sometimes when everyone kind of focuses on WWE? Do you ever feel like, Hey, you know what? We deserve some credit over here. Well, at the time that we were doing it, it was everything. And I mean, like WWE was clearly watching because they did some copying of some things with some people you know so we knew we knew that what we were doing was was good it was a hit and like i said we were on spike tv which was like one of the biggest channels at the time the ultimate fighter was on after us like we were killing it so at and i mean like we were getting the highest rated segments on the shows too like the knockouts were always getting the highest rated segments on the shows which we were like blown away proud like just couldn't believe it um so at the time it was like, we felt like we were getting the credit. We felt like we knew and everybody else knew. Um, but I feel like as time's kind of gone on and then once WWE decided to be like, we're the women's revolution. If people were too maybe young to be watching TNA at the time that we were doing what we were doing and they just kind of grew up with WWE, that's all they know. Right. So, but I feel, I feel like there was, um, Gosh, this must have been like two years ago, if not more. Some website on Twitter did a poll where it was like, who, in your opinion, was the like the actual real start of the women's revolution? Like, was it WWE? Was it the TNA knockouts? And we won that poll by a long shot. And we're talking like thousands, tens of thousands of votes. So we're like, okay, people know. But WWE is like, the number one always the number one so it's almost like nothing outside of wwe would get wwe sized credit you know but like i said as far as velvet and i we've made history and made ourselves household names without that machine behind us and we're always going to be proud of that did they ever reach back out to you, WWE, at some point, obviously, and, and say, hey, we have seller's remorse? Or was there ever a, a conversation or an email or a phone call that was made your way to say, hey, you know, we're over here. We'd be very interested. Did that ever happen? No. Um, I don't know that they cared. Because I think, I don't know. Because, you know, once Velvet and I started really going with the beautiful people, everybody was like, oh, my God, this needs to be in WWE. This needs to be in WWE. But I think because WWE knows what they did to both Velvet and I prior, they were like, oh, oh, no, we'll just do it with our own girls and we'll make it bigger and better. Is what I feel like their thought process probably was, but it didn't work. Did you ever have any conversations with some of the ladies in WWE during this time, you know, when things were really hot uh, with the women's division in TNA? Did you ever get any feedback from any of their no, from any that, promotions? No, because like that forbidden door thing wasn't there. It was like direct competition. So it was like, 
<laughs> like there was no, like a none. Like I've always been close with Natty. Like we were in deep South together. So like Natty has always been like a sweetheart, super cool. Like just like, Hey, you know, talk to anybody. It's, it's fine. But no, it was like, we were like, we're doing our thing on TNA. And they were like, we're doing Ron's Magda. So it was very like, that time was extremely competitive. So there was no like nicey, nicey. <laughs> the lines were definitely drawn. Yeah. At that time, now it's like nobody cares. It's cool. But at the time, it was very like, yeah. During that time, was there ever any match in particular that you felt like you were the most proud of? Um, a moment that you were like, man, I really killed it during this moment. Or a match or segment, something at that point in time that you just felt like, this is everything that I've always wanted to put into it. And here it is. And I got to show it. Yeah, I feel like the first time I yes, I yeah, in a second, baby. Um, when I first won my first knockouts title, I always want to say that was my best moment, but I was unconscious on my feet live on pay-per-view. So it could have gone better. Um, but to me, but but winning that, even though it didn't make my pay anymore or whatever, that was like such validation for me, you know, because I knew I was good. I knew what I was capable of. And it was kind of like my, to WWE, <laughs> you know, where I was like, there you go. Um, so yeah, this obviously the whole beautiful people thing was just everything for us. And it still is um, 14, almost 15 years later, which is amazing. Um, and we just, we had a lot of fun. I think, um, also, my last knockout standing match with Gail, I did it hard justice. I think it was 2014. Mm -hmm. That was the, one of the most painful things I've ever been a part of. But it was also just I. So I had I had already been in the business at 14 years at that point. So it's very easy to get stuck in your own bubble. Absolutely. Of just doing the same things all the time. You need to find new things to do to um challenge you to uh to challenge you to come up with something new and that match specifically like completely took me outside of my box and i kind of wasn't prepared for it because i didn't know until like that day when we got there that we were doing it and we were also doing two shows that day so i had to work prior to that but i loved it because it was like so hardcore and like i never do that and it was with gail and i trained with her so it's like so comfortable uh, us working each other um and it got like better than divas and holy shit and this is awesome chance and we were just like this we were in you know in, in uh, manhattan new york like but it was just so outside of what i would regularly do in a ring at first i was like i don't want to do this but then i was like oh this is gonna be awesome and then afterwards i just loved it and that's always the match that i bring up as far as like my took myself out of the box kind of thing that i'm thankful for having done that because it just makes you just as an artist or a performer it just gives you that much more especially after a certain amount of time to be like oh i still got this in me or oh i can still come up with new stuff like it's very refreshing well, gosh, I feel like there's so much more meat on the bone. We I mean, can do another one. I was going to say, <laughs> Angelina, I would love to pick your brain on psychology and, you know, just how you have now influenced the next generation of women and so many different things because you've been a, a staple in women's wrestling for such a long time and you're still doing it at a very high level. And 
I think the way you carry yourself and the integrity that you hold for yourself um, and very family oriented, those, those are things that I would say I'm very, I appreciate a lot when it comes to a talent that I follow. So definitely I, I would love, that. I would love to get a part two with you because I feel for sure. more. For sure. I would love to. <laughs> now comes the, uh, now comes the part of the conversation. You've taken the SATs probably. You've taken the uh, ACT, SATs. Nowadays, did you know there's some universities? I have my master's. never took SATs. Oh, you haven't taken the SATs? Is that an American thing? I went to, remember, I went to school in Canada. Oh, that's so. right. Okay. <laughs> I don't, no, I didn't take any. I don't think I took, I literally went from high school straight into college. I don't remember anything like that. So. Well, here in the United States, they have tons of standardized tests, which right. is just one of those deals. And we kind of have our own standardized test, but it only is one question. And this one question, though, Angelina, I'm telling you. It's, gonna it's not a favorite it. question, is it? Because I'm it, really awful at the favorites game. It's not It's not the favorites, okay. but I'm going to turn it over to the writ, and I want the writ to pose it to you. Okay. Before I get to that question, <laughs> I have been dying to know what the hell Taz always meant with velvet, with let the pigeons loose. I never got that every time. Yeah, he always said it with us. Um, I don't know. But we just always knew he said it, and it was funny. Tal would probably know. I don't, I don't know why he said that. But it was probably just like, you know, when you like, uh, what am I trying to say? You open up something, like if you opened up a door and birds would just fly out, it's like, here we are. And here's Boom. everything. <laughs> like, it's probably something like that. It's just like bend over and let loose is what is probably like the best thing that I could come up with. <laughs> as Freeland almost is done choking. <laughs> Not let loose in that way. Just shake, shake is what I meant. But, but yeah. okay. Now here we go. Hot, <laughs> hot tub time machine. You can go back and do history to any wrestling match ever. You're going to take somebody out of that match, and we're putting Angelina Love in that match. What match is it and why? This might be the hardest question you've ever been asked. See, now I have to think of my favorite matches. See, it always comes back to a favorite. Um, my So, like, obviously one of my favorite matches was... Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, the 60 minute Iron Man, where Shawn won, lost my mind when that happened. But I wouldn't <laughs> want to take either of them out of that match. Um, but on the same pay per view, so that WrestleMania, which is like my favorite WrestleMania, Gold Dust and Roddy Piper did the Hollywood oh Brawl. Yeah. I would take Roddy Piper out and I would so do a Hollywood Backlot Brawl with Gold Dust. Wow. How perfect nice. is that? That would be awesome. Nice. That would be awesome. Because I could say like a women's championship match, but like, let's be fun. Let's be fun <laughs> and different. And that, and that is what wrestling is all about. It's about telling the story and it's about entertaining the fans. And I think if if the audience knows you're having a good time, they're going to have a good time as well. Plus, you might have another pro wrestler right there. Look at that. He's got. I know he actually on. does. He actually does do a little karate and a little a little bit of wrestling. Yeah. He just wants candy right now. He's oh, like, David, oh. what kind of candy are you eating tonight, buddy? Are those like jelly bellies or whoppers? Oh, whoppers. We love whoppers, My dude. Love <laughs> so let's go ahead and let's do this here um, because we do know we have to let you go running uh, against the top of the hour. But 
Uh, what are some ways people can get a hold of you? How can they follow you if people want to book you uh, for seminars or for wrestling events? How do they do it? The floor is yours. Yeah. So my booking email is alovebookings at gmail.com. That's how Josh got in touch with me. Um, my Twitter at actual alove, Instagram, alove the number four life, two, two, two. And then Cameo. Uh, we do Cameo videos. Um, beautiful people promos, good luck things, happy birthday things, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, Cameo.com slash alove the number four life. And then me and Velvet do the beautiful podcast, um, which is on Vince Russo's, uh, I think it's the Realm Network. Realm Network. You go to, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we do that. That drops every Sunday. That so, is awesome. And yeah. if I want to get myself some Angelina Love merchandise, where can I go? Well, you can go to my kitchen table because I just got a box of these. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The <laughs> my micro brawlers. My little micro brawler. They're so cute. Oh, my gosh. Those are awesome. <laughs> Okay, um, I, uh, I might definitely have to get that, uh, get one of those autographed from you. I'll send you the PayPal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I had them send me a box because I'm like, I'm going to sell these. Um, yeah, so uh, so shophonor.com has both of our Allure shirts. We have the uh, kind of cartoon drawn one, and then we have like the logo one. Um, and then I have a store on Pro Wrestling Tees. I just, nothing new has been added to it. But, and I also don't know the link, but I guess if you go to Pro Wrestling Tees, type in Angelina Love somewhere. Um, and then, yeah, on shophonor.com, I have my my micro brawlers too. And I will have these with me when I'm coming to a show near you at my merch table. <laughs> we will make sure we plug that on our social medias and we let Thank all of our you. listeners know as well. Angelina, this has been so much fun. You are Thank you guys very much great storyteller and hearing your story about everything so far has been amazing for our listeners. I know they would love a part two. For and, sure. uh, you enjoy the rest of your holiday season. Happy new year. Yes. You as well. 2022 is going to be awesome. I agree. We will talk to you down the road. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Right, thank you. All right. Wow. That was a lot of fun. And Freeland. that was Congratulations. You Amazing. made it through the interview. I did make it through the interview. I, I was thought I was going to be stammering and, and stuttering and all over the place and this and that. But you know what? I was able to make it through. the. She is. Here's the thing that I love about doing these interviews. You learn so much more about these superstars than you had ever known before. Getting to know behind the scenes and their stories and their struggles and what they went through. You seem to have a lot better appreciation. Um instead of just what you see on TV, because what you see on TV is just, it's one aspect of it. But when you hear all of these stories and you get to know how, what they put themselves through, you know, and just to know that there were some moments, awkward moments when she was younger with a company like WWE and the way they treat people, not cool. Um, but she persevered and she became a household name. She's extremely successful in this business and, I hope, and I'm going to bring this up next time, she needs to do seminars, not only in-ring seminars, but just like one-on-one, -on -one, this is what I think, and she would be an amazing, amazing coach in any promotion. Yes, definitely. Like, I know in the in, it's hard to stand out, to separate yourself for, you know, wrestling in general, but for a woman, you know, you it's hard because everybody wants, okay, this certain type. And I love how Angelina and Velvet went and went and separated from the pack 
and took their assets and took their minds and creativity and made a tag team. And at that time, you know, they put them head and shoulders above the rest. Well, but, but once again, I think it comes back to people who are driven and she's driven and she wanted to do this from day one. Rick, what have we seen from every single interview we've done? I knew I wanted to do this from the time I was five. I knew I was going to do this second I graduated high school. She knew what she wanted and driven people succeed. And she's just yet another person who was driven to do something. She wasn't going to take no for an answer, no matter how awkward situations became or how poorly people had either treated her or misused her. She was going to make it and she took it and she ran with it and you know, you hear the you hear the phrase so many times. You know, you made something out of nothing. Well, she took whatever she was given and she turned it into gold. Yes, definitely. But well, we're coming on the top of the ten o'clock hour, and well, guess what time it is? Oh, <laughs> it's panel time. And on top of the panel time, well, it's we the award the- show. It's the award show. We better get our suit and tie ready. Then, oh. So, guys, sit back and enjoy our next commercial. You know which one it is. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. shirt too sexy for my shirt so sexy it hurts and I'm too sexy for Milan too sexy for Milan New York and Japan take it and I'm too sexy for your party too sexy for your party no way I am disco dancing I'm a model, you know what I mean, and I do my little turn on the catwalk, yeah on the catwalk, on the catwalk, yeah, I do my little turn on the catwalk. Such good shit. 
Was that any good? Oh my god. Welcome back to Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freeland, and I'm joined as always by the Ritzter. I just read the Ritz text message. That is just tremendous. Yeah. Uh, wow. We are gonna we're gonna let that go for right now. Um, uh, well, well, we're, we're we're not popping that top. That is but because wow. because what a, what, what, a you, what you said earlier. Yeah. I'm the other half. Oh, I know. I'm I'm well aware of that, my friend. I am well well aware. So um that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And let me go ahead and uh you well, bring bring in Renegade, bring in six degrees or here, 98 degrees or whatever your little boy band's called. I'm just kidding. Oh, and uh, I'll go ahead and bring everybody else in. Oh, you didn't know? I love that puppet thing you got going. That, whoa, whoa, whoa. Puppet, that, that's the uh, Six Degrees uh, biggest band. I love the puppet. The puppet is Master Peak. Love it. That's up. So it's Paolo. That's our number one guy there. Uh, he was the first fan of Six Degrees with Written Renegade, and he, uh, he did us a solid there filming that little opening vignette well he did an amazing job and i loved it and i love the intro and everything renegade is so good to hear your voice again buddy it's been a while since i got a chance to talk to you it has been a while my friend man how is life treating you and uh everything good things are going okay things are going okay and i'm gonna have to ask the question and i promise i'll ask just one of these questions and i will let it go uh have you gotten any new postcards from uh from uh, the dog. It's been a few months, but uh, he is, uh, you'll be happy to know that he is the stepfather to 115 sea turtles. Wow. Wow. So that is life, tremendous. You know, the circle of life, man. It's, uh, it's good to know he's doing well and he's finally happy. So, well, uh, Mr. Mike Cook. Inside joke coming on. No hard cam on Renegade. No, it's there's always a hard cam. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, well, 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 Freeland, I, I just wanted to sit there and and let you know. <clears throat> yes. What, once we get the rest of the panel members on, uh, Renegade is going to uh, read us the nominee and the winner. He is going to be the master ceremony. Oh, no, for, for, for for one for, award, yeah. For one for award. One award, okay. For uh let's see here, which one is it? Um favorite panel member. Favorite by the way, everyone who's uh, on the panel, check your check your email, okay? Yes. Uh, check it, refresh it, check your spam, your junk, whatever it may be. But hey, Freeland, I hope you're ready for this. I'm ready because... for everything, baby. Okay, well, here we go. Bam! We're doing a Cult of Beardo reunion. Oh yeah, baby. It is myself. And I'm here with my good friend from the north, Mr. Butt. And here we are, Renegade in the house. What's going on? It is not Thursday. What's going on, my brothers? This is it, buddy. It's Christmas again. Oh, Butt, you're looking amazing. Yeah, Butt, it's good to see you. It's good to see you guys. Well, uh, sorry I missed last week. I had to uh, 
well, replace my door because I had to break into my own house. But, you know. That's okay. We all missed last week. Hey, hey, you got to sit there and hate when you have to break into your own house. Okay, okay. We have, we've had our fun. Let's bring Freeland back in. I was going to say, am I getting the boot? I mean, I can <laughs> – listen, you guys can handle this more than more than uh, well. So, and here we go. We got our another panel member in Gorilla. We've got Mr. Mike Thunder from Down Under. Oh, yeah, baby. It's sexual. <laughs> What's happening, everyone? This is your buddy, Mike Thunder, the man of Wednesday and Thursday nights. And for all you ladies out there, all you got to do is give me your number if you want to call up on Big Mike Thunder. You know what I'm saying? I like it. Because it's Tuesday night. You know what time it is. Along with Freeland, the Rit, the Butt, and the Renegade, you don't have to get paid to be part of the Tuesday Night Delight. That is the front row material. I tell you what, I'm already soaking wet right now. I'm soaking wet. <laughs> we get soaking wet and the Hershey squirts. We've got oh, Mr. Mr. George Pooney. Ah, uh, George Pooney. Turn your volume up. We can't hear you. Uh, oh my God! Will you? <laughs> Do you work in Cracker Barrel with that whole? Uh, we don't have that here. Oh, I didn't think so. You're in a different place than you normally are, aren't you? You you look like you're like a, a captured he, like a no no. He's in the basement now, isn't he? He's in the yep. basement. Whoa! What happens yeah, when you get abducted? What is that called? You're um, you're about to be taken. You're kidnapped, man. So, so Poonie, what's new, man? How you? How are you? Uh, just you know, working my tail off as usual, and this is my one day off again. Hey, we love that you sit there and spend your one day off here when you're not hustling and bustling, taking over our YouTube page, making it look as great as you make it. Thanks. So, guys. It is the first award of the night. Oh shit! And well, let's uh, let's take it over to the Renegade. Yes, sir. So I am here to award out the award for favorite panel member. So without further ado, let's get to the nominees, shall we? We have Liam Savage. We have Anton. <laughs> we have the butt and Mike yeah. Cook. So, ladies and gentlemen, the winner for favorite panel member is Mike Cook. There we go. Congratulations. Congratulations, Mike. Uh, you will be given a few brief minutes for an acceptance speech. I hope you have one prepared. So, Renegade? Uh, accepting this award from Mike Cook. I, I, you know what? I want to take this opportunity to say, because i got a point to pick with this whole process right here, right? Oh uh, let me say, let me, let, me, let me just say, like most of Butt's co-stars, I'm a little butthurt. Right? <laughs> I can't believe in the short time that I've made a few appearances on this panel, I didn't even get a nomination. I didn't even get a wink and a nod. I got nothing. You know, I, I brought you, I brought you the the harrowing stories of my dog. 
I brought you into the world of adult films with the greatest star in the world, but okay, we can't even get a, a nomination. I don't know who these people are that decide these things. These elitists that sit around in their underwear in a hot tub playing whack-a-mole with each other. <laughs> this just goes from bad to worse. The, the, the crap rolls downhill, you know what I mean? First of all, I at, at the AVN Awards, the butt lost in uh, lost the award for best male in a solo fisting scene. Okay, that was heartbreaking. Okay. <laughs> Then was uh, my heart that I broke. <laughs> on on top of that, okay, I lost out in a directorial award for an innovative scene in a movie that was a short film titled Excuse Me Miss, May I Push in Your Stool in a scene that involved animal crackers. Okay, it was it was groundbreaking. Okay. And then I you know, and I can't even get I can't even get a nomination here on this show. So you know what that means. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Wow. I have no idea what just happened, but yeah, yeah. We're just gonna. Okay. Um, to get the winner on here, it is time for acceptance speech time. Mike Cook, I, I want to apologize for that rant. Uh, we're gonna have to, you know, take that to HR. That was kind of unprofessional. But uh, Mike Cook, the floor is yours for a few brief moments of your acceptance speech. Terrible. Okay, so so I'm good. I don't have to worry about the uh, the renegade coming in, um, and uh, in his case, coming in hard. But um, <laughs> before I want to say uh, thank you to FRM and thank you to the most people, um, Liam Savage, don't get butt hurt. It just shows how much of an impact I left on the show. Even with my absence for the past few months, working on rebuilding Michael um, and coming up with different concepts based off of the ideas from shows like Culture Beardo and FRM. But, you know, that being said, because someone like Liam and, you know, The Butt and many others are, are probably, like I said, they, you can say it's rigged. I don't care. The people voted, they voted the right person. But because some of you want to cry, I'm going to give you the honest truth why I won. Okay? It's the exact honest truth why Mike Thunder got the win. You know, they say that all men are created equal. But then you look at me, and then you look at people like Liam Savage, the butt, and everyone else, and you see that statement's not true. See, when you go in the voting with someone, you get a 25% chance of winning. But I'm a genetic podcaster, and I'm not normal. So you add these people into the mix, your chances of winning go drastically down. You see, on FRM, you got a 25% chance of winning. But me, I have a 75% chance of winning because some of you know you can't beat me. You're not even going to try so Liam Savage, you take your 25% chance, and then I take my 75% chance of winning, and then you have 100%. But then when you look at all the others, you got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning, and I got a 141 and two-thirds chance of winning on the FRM votes, okay? You see, the numbers don't lie, 
and they spell disaster for all of you on front row material as your first ever panel winner. And like I said, you don't have to look at the number to know that these people voted for Mike Thunder, okay? Because there's two things I care about, all right? My jar of Nutella and my fine Bella. So when I beat all of you once again in 2022, I'm going to whisper in all of y'all's ears, thunder does matter, bitch. Whoa. I mean, did we just get some Scott Steiner math right there as well? Oh, wait. Did something happen? I was busy counting the dots on my ceiling tiles here. (laughs) You are terrible. What's going on? Oh, Oh, my God. I'll never get back. We all all need to congratulate Mike on his victory. Mike, congratulations. You are the 2021 panelist of the year. Were you, were you doing your were you doing your Kenny Omega impersonation there, uh, George Pooney? No, I, I didn't well I don't want to get X rated here and uh, get us thrown off, so no, I'll just uh no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, Mike has won victory so far tonight. However, there's many more awards to come. Ritster, what's the next award we got here? Uh, let's just scroll on down here. By the way, thank you to everyone who's joining us tonight. Uh, based Kip as well, ECW fan, thank you very much. J Rod, numero uno, thank you as well for joining us. And everyone else who's in the chat as well, just want to say we appreciate you. All right, continue. And here we go. Next up, favorite sit down interview on FRM. Favorite interview in 2021. We got Dan Barry. Dan Barry, that was a good one. We've got Crowbar. Crowbar making the comeback, yeah. We have PW Anderson. Love you some PW. And we've got the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Kenny Shams, love me the Kenny. And the winner is Crowbar. Crowbar. Congratulations to Crowbar for winning the most impressive interview of 2021. That is awesome. Does Mike so, Cook get credit for that too? <laughs> you are terrible. Let's first throw it, let's throw it to the butt. Butster, what uh do you agree with that win with it being crowbar, or do you think it was Dan Barry, C dub, Kenny Shams, well, or someone crowbar else? For sure. Crowbar for sure. So, 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 but what was the, what was the part of the crowbar interview that really got your attention that you loved? Well, when he was talking about wine, got my attention. I'm not going to lie. So, hey, this guy likes wine. I can dig that. He likes the wine. What about you, Liam? Um, that wasn't my favorite. My favorite was, um, CW because he really got like, you guys got in depth with him and he, uh, talked about a lot of stuff you wouldn't expect you know mental health and all that and um just the injuries and everything it was like really in depth so i really like, I, was, uh, kind of I thought excellent you know well, it's always good to, to hear what people thought about the interviews after we do them like all kidding aside we don't really get to chat with each other after an episode is over so it's it's neat to be able to hear what you guys have to say about that so very cool uh but once again congratulations to crowbar great interview but Everybody else, it was it was great interviews so far in 2021. Looking forward to 2022. Ritster, what is our next award? Well, next award will be 
Favorite Mike Freeland moosh item. What? Loose item? Moosh. Loose loose item. I did not read these words, so I don't even know what they are, to it's be the, honest with you. It's the, the favorite item voted for by the fans of the show of the favorite item that you love to mooch. Oh. First of all, let's get something straight here. I don't mooch off of anyone. I just throw suggestions out, and if people are so inclined, they may go ahead and... I already know with, the answer. I already know. With their love. It's like passive-aggressive begging. <laughs> oh, my God. Pretty much. That's terrible. That makes me feel like I'm just I'm just the scourge of the earth when it comes to this kind of thing. Well... You said like, I'm that creepy uncle. <laughs> I love the t-shirts. I wear them all the time. I walk around Cincinnati wearing my John Moxley. Uh, my, my Kenny Omega. I wear the Cracker Barrel when I sit in the rocking chair because I'm, I'm elite, 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 elite. Yeah. All right. Well, those are and the nominees are... Who are the nominees? AEW Action Figures. How, how many of those have you got sent to you, Freeland? Uh, <laughs> quite a quite few. few. Quite a few. T-shirts. Quite a few. Quite a few, yes. And those bulbous lollipops from the dollar store. The bulbous lollipops are really good. Love them. Love the bulbous lollipops. The winner is... Who won? It's a tie. For t-shirts and bulbous lollipops. Yes. All right. Freeland, you are going to be accepting the award on behalf of your moochiness. I would just like to personally thank all the listeners who've taken time out in consideration and their wallet, for that matter, to share their love and appreciation uh, for my talents and my incredible soothing voice that I've been told. And uh, just say thank you. And once again, obviously, I'm not telling you you have to buy me anything. But if you would like to, you're more than inclined to. I'm going to be opening up a P.O. box soon. So feel free to go ahead and I'm going to post it on my uh, Instagram and Twitter accounts. So you guys can go ahead and feel free to go ahead and just send whatever it is that you'd like. But I just want to say I love you all. I thank you very, very much. Uh-huh. Mike Freeland, FRM Pods, one eight hundred child. You're you're lucky. I had deleted that in the arms of <laughs> Freeland. So, Mike Cook, do you think that that the the fans got it right? No. The main you, you thing that seen... we see, the main thing we seen Freeland mooch on is T-shirts. Well. Although I do support him wearing the Mike World Order shirts as well. T-shirts always stuck out with Freeland. Not action figures, not them little lollipops, not free jabs at George Pooney over there. <laughs> t-shirts. T-shirts was t-shirts was super close. Super, super close. I will agree with you. But by, by, by the way, uh Mr. Pooney, do you have like a is there an animal in that room with you? Because I just saw something happen behind you. Uh, besides me? Yeah, there's a cat running around. Okay, gotcha. All right, Ritster, what's the next big award? What do we got here? 
Okay, let's uh, scroll down here and get us a... Uh... Oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Person that put Freeland in his place the most. What? Tillian McMurphy. Oh, that was embarrassing. Mikey Whipwreck. Affected. Trevor Outlaw. And the debonair millionaire, Mr. Darius Carter. And the winner is. Mikey <laughs> Whipwreck. <laughs> Mikey Whipwreck, yes, he definitely has. Uh... <clears throat> Had many things to say to me and about me on many occasions, so I would uh, agree with that well-deserved win by Mikey. Man, that was a a landslide of a win, too. But then again, everyone else just had an hour to put you in your place, where Mikey had three years' worth to put you in your place. This is true. Very, very true. Liam, would you have agreed with everybody on that one? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, it's, you know, the accumulation, like you said, of so many years of service of Mikey putting down Freeland. And it's like, you know, you just can't escape that cloud. It's like, it's something that Mikey prides himself on. And, uh, you know, I got to say, I appreciate that. I'd like to, you know, like to uh, try to carry on that tradition if I can. And, uh, you know, just try to service everybody uh that's listening and uh, really try to take it to Freeland in his mooching ways and, you know, all that good stuff. You do an excellent job at it, by the way. Thank you. I am a box whore, so, you know. You are, and uh, Moondog also said uh, that you can service him anytime you would like as well. So I just thought I'd... I don't swing that way, but I'm flattered. Throw that, throw that out there. Oh, my gosh. What do we got for our next award? Next up, favorite guest <laughs> on Future Me? Stars Now. Oh. Favorite guest from Future Stars Now. What are the nominees? Trevor Outlaw. Trevi Outlaw. Ms. PB Poo Poo, Erica Lee. Matt Turner. And Darius Carter. Wow, nominated again. And the winner goes to, oh, Miss Pee Poo Poo, Erica Lee. Erica Lee is the winner. Uh, I think Ooh. we all enjoy a little Pee Pee Poo Poo from Erica Lee. Am I right on that one, uh, Mr. Butt? Indeed. Well, guys, here she is. <sighs> a winter wonderland, a Christmas miracle. Speaking of miracles, ting, it's a me, Erica Lee, your miracle. Apparently, you all think that I was the best guest on Future Stars Now all year. I even beat out that egghead, Darius Carter. Although, oh. you know, Future Star, I don't know, probably the wrong category for him. He's been around forever. Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I humbly, humbly accept your miracle, Erica Lee. Huh. Wow. 
That was, was tremendous. Good. That was tremendous. I tell you what. I mean, he's been nominated multiple times and has yet to come out with a victory. But congratulations to the incomparable Erica Lee, who continues to succeed in wrestling. But you knew the nominees. What were you thinking on that one? I picked Darius Carter. Uh, I thought he would win just because he verbally abused Freeland. And that That's the reason you would vote for him? Yep. I thought he was going to make you cry. It was great. He he raked me across the coals a few different times. He did, but you liked it. Oh, I tell you Ooh. what, what can I say? I'm just that kind of guy. All right. Um, what do we got here? What's your thoughts? On what? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Darius Carter. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, well, you know. Darius Carter for the win. There you go. Mike Cook, what do you think about Erica Lee winning this one? I got to go with, uh, should have gone with uh, Darius Carter as well, too. I mean, he uh, he thrashed you pretty bad on that episode. But, uh, he did. Darius Carter is damn good. Darius Carter should be signed to a major promotion. No bullshit whatsoever. The guy is ridiculously talented. I can say that even though he did uh, thrash me verbally. It just shows you how talented of a dude he is. And he's awesome in the ring and... He definitely fits that MJF uh, stable, if you will. So congratulations, though, to Erica Lee for pulling it off. What do we got next? Favorite show on the Front Row Material brand. Oh, favorite show. We have Future Stars Now. We have The Cult of Beardo. (laughs) And we have FRM Pop. (laughs) But would you like to say who won? And it's not probably who you're think, wanting it to be. If Cult of Beardo didn't win, I quit. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> will send me right into the red zone. Oh, it's no. Rigged. Oh. It's rigged. It's rigged just like 2020, kids. I'm telling you right now. Just uh, a un- favorite panelist. Unfortunately, for us on the Cult of Beardo brand, FRM Pod won that this year. Freeland, would you, like, would you like would you like to give a give a few congratulatory moments? I, I would love to. Uh, get the camera on me, straight on me. Get it. Let's go. There you go. Now you're doing something. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, everyone who voted for this. Uh, appreciate that front row material. We've been we've been working hard to give you the best interviews, uh, the best panel discussions, and just the overall best content. Once again, all over the entire. 2021 spectrum so i appreciate that i humbly accept this award as the leader of the podcast nation so thank you very very much freeland i appreciate that next up we are going to be going to favorite promotion that we have talked about here on front row material favorite promotion nominees are Favorite indie promotion, I should say. Favorite indie, okay. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus. New, oh. new Texas clarify. Pro Wrestling. New Texas Pro Wrestling, yes. A-A-W. A-A-Dub. Mission Pro Wrestling. Mission Pro, baby. Thunder Rosa. Last but not least, P-P-W. P-P-W. What do we got here? The winner is 
PPW. PPW, my friend. Nice. Excellent, excellent, excellent. We love Mission Pro. We love uh, New Texas Pro Wrestling, Kiefer Bartek as well. We love AEW with Danny Daniels and Trent Zaberry. But once again, PPW has done an amazing job over the year 2021. So congratulations to them on a great, great win. And well, hold on, hold on. I want to see if we have any any rebuttals to this. Let's throw it over here to uh, the Cookster. What do you think about this one? Do you feel like it should have been PPW or should have been somebody else? I voted for AAW. AAW since the beginning. So no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And let's be honest, y'all voted for Mission Pro because of Thunder Rosa. Uh, she does a great job. She r- runs a great, great tight ship. Since. It's not Mike Thunder Rosa, so. Do you have you? I said it's not Mike Thunder Rosa. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I wish. Oh, my God. Uh, and That'll be enough, Cook. That'll be enough. Thoughts from you, uh, but about the favorite promotion? I picked PPW. Uh, I'm more learning about a lot of these smaller uh, organizations in the States. Uh, it's not like you can watch them up here or anything else. Right. Uh, just from the, the bits that I've been reading and hearing, PPW seems to be pretty legit federation. They seem to be doing a lot of good stuff, bringing in a lot of stairs, creating stairs. But that was a lot of that I agree. By the way, is your beard getting even longer now? Are you growing it even longer? Well, can't get a beard trim in Ontario right now. Really? So you're just letting it go, man, right? Why not? There They'll you cut go. your hair, but they won't cut your beard because they might catch COVID sure they will. your beard. Sure they will. They will oh, of mine. Huh? They will Wait. of mine. Coming to town. Yeah, drive to Liam's neighborhood. They'll cut. They'll cut. They'll cut your beard in his area. Fr- Freeland. Yes. Uh, I have an acceptance yeah, speech. Uh oh. Uh oh. We have. We have someone accepting us uh, an award. Yes. Yes. Good afternoon, everyone. Paul Ball here for Pennsylvania Premier Wrestling on behalf of Anthony McKeegan and myself. Would like to thank Josh and Mike from Front Row Material for this beautiful top of the pyramid award as we are their favorite independent wrestling promotion that they cover. Thanks, guys. Have a great 2022, and we're hope to see you at PPW. Wow. How professional. I I, I actually have to ask him for that award back so we can – uh, Reuse it. <laughs> yeah. The, oh the, the, my god. The, the, bu- the budget for the show is just re- it's it's low budget. It is low budget. We are. four dollars. Yeah, all, all all your adult films that you make with uh, Renegade, they're all low budget, aren't they? Low class, low budget, <laughs> low talent, low moral. <laughs> yeah. Low antibiotics. Oh god. No, lots of antibiotics. <laughs> Do we have any more awards, or does that wrap up our award season? We have, we have three more awards. Holy crap! What, this is like the Oscars. Jesus, it goes like to like two in the morning. Next, next up is most heartfelt interview. Most heartfelt interview. Who are the nominees? The Pope, Eliza Burke. Yes. Lucifero. That's good. C. W. Anderson. I love it. C. W. Nominated again. And Ruby Race. Ruby Race, that was a great one as well. And the winner is. Who's getting it? That is tremendous. CW did an amazing job in his interview. So happy that he finally, after being nominated three times, comes away 
uh, with an FRM award. Yeah. Uh, Mike Cook, what are your thoughts on, on the CW Anderson interview and, you know, for the most heartfelt interview? I agree. Um, I actually voted on CW and um, he was actually one of the first wrestlers I met at a meet and greet when I moved to Virginia and a very solid, very kind person, you know, I, I, I love this interview. I, I really did. What about you, Liam Savage? Yeah, like I was saying before, uh, CW was uh, really great. It was like the sleeper interview, I, I think, of the year. And um, because nobody really expected uh, that much depth. And um, yeah, I've, I've been a big fan of the guy for a long time. But this just made me a bigger fan. So, And but... If you didn't pick C.W. Anderson, you were wrong. Yep. That interview was fantastic. Nobody else came close. No offense to the other ones. They were great interviews. C.W., for most heartfelt, it, it wasn't even a contest. Yeah. I, I, I love the interview, especially, you know, I never thought I'd be talking to C.W., and next thing you know, I'm talking about freaking baseball for what? For, we went like 15, 20 minutes At least just 15, in baseball. 20 minutes just on baseball. Yes. So I, I loved it myself. Uh, next up, second to last, most charismatic person on FSN. Ooh, on FSN. Lila Gray. Ooh, Lila Gray. Good, good one. Nobody better than Andy Hedder. Misa Kate. Oh, love Crispy Tree. Love Misa Kate. And Killian McMurphy. I know who I'm pulling for in this one. The winner is yeah. Mr. Kate. Mm-hmm. That's who I picked. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I love that interview. Freeland, uh, you, you took the shoe out of your mouth eventually. I understand. Now, uh, hold on. That that whole line that I said was, was completely taken out of context. It was... <laughs> It, it, it just was. It wasn't meant to be wrong. But Do you understand she won't return my phone calls? I don't think Reason. she took it that way. I don't think she took it in that context. Mm. But uh, So did every, is this unanimous that everybody would have voted for uh, Miss Kate? Yes. I, I personally, I, I voted for the underdog, uh, Lila Gray. Just Lila because Gray I, awesome I love too. that interview. Uh, and then I love how she, hey, you want to break up with your boyfriend or, or girlfriend? Hit me up. I'll sit there and uh, do uh, a cameo for you. Like, that was innovational. I love that. So, Freeland, uh, did did Megs give you that for for Christmas yet? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. You weren't supposed to know. Good job, Rick. Oh, I apologize. Who we got next here? It is the main event. And... Favorite guest? Oh, we already did that one. Yep. Hold on. <laughs> Professional. I'm looking. I'm looking for the last one. The last one. The last award. It is the favorite overall interview. Favorite overall interview. Here we go. Who are the nominees? Oh my goodness! It is Alpha Junior. It was. 
Crowbar. Oh my goodness, I can't remember the nominees. <laughs> what the hell is happening? <laughs> Let's just say everyone wins. They are all winners. Nobody watching this show wins. You're watching this show, you won. We'll lose a couple oh. hours of our lives. Yeah. Oh. I say you've lost three hours of your life. Okay, Sabu, Alpha Jr., Ivelisse Velez, and Crowbar. And the winner was Crowbar. Wow. Mm-hmm. Favorite overall interview. I'll clap to that. Crowbar year. did a good job. But I, I still think a lot of people probably would have put C-Dub in that conversation. Am I correct? Yes, oh, if yeah. he was a choice... That's who I would have went with. But I went yes. with Crowbar. So, guys, great year. Great. Last one. Let's uh, let's kill this panel and, and kick it up a notch and, and take out the new year. Well, you want to kill me. That's not very nice. Well, no, I'll do that. What do you, hey, 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 Bucks, what, do what do you got in your hand? What is that? Well, I got a new microphone for Christmas. Did you? Did you get did. a blue as well? I do. Yeah, but you got a blue black. It's a blue yeti. Is that what that is? I, I think it's a what? What is it? Snowball. Snowball. Yeah, it's a snowball. Oh. Yeah. I love snowballs. Uh-huh. I'm sure you do. <laughs> you look in the Urban Dictionary. You'll find out the explanation for that. That's terrible. All right, guys. It is your favorite part of the evening. It's the panel where we ask our panel, where we ask our panel six hotbed questions and love to get their opinions on what's going on. Let's go ahead and let's jump into our first one. Uh, Topic number one, Eric Bischoff actually makes his return to WWE on last night's edition of Monday Night Raw. He was part of a backstage segment, and he was also the officiant of the Miz and Maurice's wedding vow renewals. A couple of questions here. I'm first going to start off with Mike Cook. Mike. Eric Bischoff back in WWE. Did you like that idea? Were you surprised by that idea? What was your takeaway from Easy E showing back up again in WWE? I was uh, surprised at Eric Bischoff being on Raw. Um, not sure if he has an upcoming role or if they're going to do anything with him. But uh, it seems like with everything that's going on in the world of WWE, I feel like they're desperately pulling straws on how to get not just casual fans back, but ratings. Because a lot of their shows, the arenas, are half empty. Yeah, um, especially the most recent Madison Square Square Garden show, which a lot of people were saying wasn't necessarily due to just ticket sales, but from the fact that New York has this new policy on that you are not able to get into the show if you do not have the ability to show proof of vaccination. Um, I think with the way the climate is on shots uh, in the States, that's definitely uh, going to impact some people going to live shows. But I, got, I, I was going to say it's actually gotten worse tonight at their show in D.C. Now, really? Virginia and D.C. are a little bit more relaxed compared to New York. And the attendance there is worse than the garden at Capital One Arena. Oh, wow. A lot of people sent me photos and videos live as it's going on. It's it's worse. And if it's worse than the garden, it's not good in your nation's capital. 
No, no, I agree with you on that one completely. Let's throw it to the butt. But what's your take on this? I mean, not only Eric Bischoff being back in WWE, whether this is a one-off or whether this is something that he'll be used again for, what was your take on that? I was surprised, honestly, because he did little, little run-in with AEW. You know, things didn't end well when he was with WWE last time. I'm, I'm pretty surprised that it went back. Uh, I don't think Bischoff is a ratings pull by any stretch of the imagination. Nobody's going to tune in because he's on, or he's not going to create new fans. You know, he's, he's a nostalgia act. Um, if I happened to watch it last night, I would have thought it was kind of neat that he was on. But I didn't go out of my way and say, hey, Eric Bischoff's on tonight. I better make sure I watch. That's... To me, it was more surprising. I think, I think in some ways, I think when WWE brings people back who were well-known in the late 90s and early 2000s, they're hoping in some way, shape, or form that it might pull somebody back who was a fan of that time or that era. So I, that's, I think that's, Mike, you might have been going in that direction. And, and I can see that, too. I mean, why, why else would they do the Legends Nights? Why else would they do stuff like that? Once again, is to maybe bring people back in who haven't seen these stars for a while. Oh, I'm seeing these people, and while I'm here, I might see somebody else that I might uh, latch on to as far as my fandom is concerned. Um, so is Bischoff going to do that, though? I, once again, I don't know. I mean... It's kind of an interesting shtick, the way they do the weddings, and the weddings are always must-see, uh, just because they're always a train wreck, and I think The Miz is an interesting character, so maybe if somebody tuned in to see that, maybe they would see somebody else that they liked. Who knows? Uh, wrestling fans are very fickle, and um, me being one of them, but it's it's interesting to see what the reasons are that WWE brought somebody in, but uh, I also read that it actually the, the, the deal went down on December the 23rd, uh, literally finalizing everything. So it literally came together very quickly, Eric said. Um, Liam, what's your take on Eric Bischoff being on Raw? Was it something that would have made you watch the show or, eh, no, not really. No, I mean, it's it's interesting when you get a kind of a legacy character on there. Um, but I didn't feel like, you know, it was the be-all, end-all of me tuning in or anything. I didn't even know until you, it was brought up to me. Sure. You. So <laughs> I had no idea, but um, it's good on him, though. You know, I mean, like I, I was never a, a fan of his um, when Nitro was big. Like I thought it was just, oh, I couldn't stand the guy. But that shows you he was probably doing a good job. And through hearing him on his podcast and everything else, he seems like a pretty decent guy. And uh, I'm glad he's getting opportunities still. And, uh, you know, he has had an impact on the business. So why not put him on there? Right. Um Nobody should think that anything's out of bounds nowadays. Just based on the fact that anybody can go anywhere, anybody can be in the Hall of Fame now. Um, there's no forbidden door. There never really has been. So, um, you know, having him on there, it's not going to be a needle mover. But, I mean, it might interest a few people. But, you know, I don't, in the end of the day, I don't think it's like the, uh, you know, a huge, a huge deal, really. A uh, second topic I'd like to get into here is in a story that was with WrestlingNews.com, and they were telling a little bit of insider information here on, you know, what changed WWE's uh, feelings about Karrion Cross 
and Scarlett Bordeaux. And it was interesting because they were both on uh, Renee's podcast. Or I'm sorry, not her podcast, but I believe it was her. Uh, she has a series. Uh, series. Oh, it's a podcast. Is it the oral, is it oral sessions? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, and they were basically saying that they both got uh, emails uh, pretty quickly um, back to back telling them that they were no longer going to be needed in the company. And when they went to further find out what those reasons were, um, I'll actually read you a quote. Um, so Cross said, so I got a picture of what my new outfit was going to look like. I showed Scarlett. We both started laughing. I guess I can get comfortable wearing this, but this is not going to get over in 2021. Um, after that, they wrestled some dark matches. They were shown very infrequently on TV, and then Creative basically told them that they had nothing else for them. And then that's what eventually led to their being uh, released from the company. And both were very glad that they were both separated um, or both released from the company, so they weren't one working there, one not working there. Um, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, Cross in Bordeaux being released from WWE? Where do you feel like things just kind of jumped the track and went haywire? Would you say it was when they re-debuted him on WWE main roster TV and it was just so far away from what his NXT character was? Let me start off with, uh, with Mr. Butt on this one. I think you hit the nail on the head with that last comment. He, he was so far removed. He, he wasn't the same anything and they well unfortunately not to be a mike freeland here for a minute but wwe shit the bed on him i mean he no he had things he had excellent he had a great look he had good skill set he's everything you wanted and they screwed up and there it is that's the whole issue in a nutshell right there they don't want to change some things, and they just screwed everything up. They should have left him well enough alone. Leave him like he is, bring him in, keep the same character, same gimmick, same everything. It was working. He was over like Rover. And Indeed. then he comes in, and, well, here we are. I agree. Uh, Mike, what's your take on the whole uh, Killer Cross Scarlet situation? Do you feel like you know what? They they should have just held off, went back to what his original gimmick was in NXT and allowed that to go ahead and have a chance to get over with the main roster instead of trying to completely repackage him. Once again, another golden goose from NXT gets sacrificed on the main roster. Plain and simple. Um, Karrion Cross was gold with his character. Some would say he got pushed too soon to the main roster. I think regardless of when he was going to get put on the main roster, he was going to get shit on. Didn't matter the time frame. Like, you got this man who had the biggest buildup in a short time, only to come on the main roster with not only such a horrible ring attire, but to job in less than two minutes to Jeff Hardy. No offense to Jeff. But seeing that match, it was so one-sided. And then on top of that, you split him from his valet Basically, the package deal of the character, it was already doomed from the start, from the first match on forward. Like, it, it just, there's, there's really not much to add on to it except for 
plain and simple. WWE dropped the ball once again with something good they got in NXT and put in the main roster, which is why most guys did not want to go main roster that was on the black and gold brand. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, Liam, what's your take on this one as far as should they have just gone ahead and just hit the pause button after this new gimmick didn't work out and then just revert back to his old NXT ways? Or do you think at that point in time, you know what, the, the cow's already out of the barn. There's not much we can do at this point. Well, they should have hit pause because I think anybody with half a brain in their head probably saw that this new gimmick he had was just absolutely the shits. Didn't have Scarlet there. She was kind of like the the kind of extra ingredient that he needed to complete his profile. And with the fact that he wasn't doing anything when he came up there, he was it was it was just really weird. He just all of a sudden he was coming up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, NXT champion, killer cross out of nowhere. And it was just in a 20 second clip before his match. And I'm just thinking, what the hell is this? Um, like I was happy that it was, he got called up, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you're not going to have anything proper for him to do, why bother? Uh, he, he went through obviously the same thing that God knows how many people have gone through and very few have made it, uh, from the NXT to main roster call up. And it's unfortunate because there's just a ridiculous amount of talent. Um, I don't want to kind of speculate on what could have happened after the fact, even if they had brought him back to his regular character, but it's, it's a huge missed opportunity. Um, they had him as a killer on NXT and we all know NXT and main roster is like, it's like night and day, you know, you can be the biggest star in NXT and then you go to the main roster and it's like, well, just another bit player here or you'll be chasing a 24 7 title or something it's, it's it's ridiculous after a while so um i'm glad in a way that they got released because they're able to explore new opportunities now and i'm sure they'll get lots of work tony khan's always hiring so i mean shouldn't be a problem getting work anywhere so yeah well in that interview uh cross explained here's a quote as it was explained to me it was two separate entities nxt really couldn't interfere, uh, interfere or expand on the normal WWE universe, which was the main brand. So that's kind of where Vince was coming from, meaning, hey, what you did in NXT, you know, that's its own little world. That's its own little brand. When you come over to the Raw brand, that is its own new entity. So you are completely being reintroduced 100% once you come to the main roster. And it's almost as if like, in some ways, NXT didn't happen with you, which I feel like Vince kind of takes that philosophy on with other wrestlers who've come into WWE. Whatever you did prior to that really doesn't apply to what is happening now. Whatever accolades you had, we're going to hit the reset button with that. However, I think what Vince fails to realize is every other star that's come from NXT has still carried with them some degree of what their gimmick was um, or their personality that got them over in NXT before they came to the main roster. I don't know why uh, Carrie and Killer, however you want to refer to them, and Scarlet are somehow exempt from that uh, rule. But either way, they both ended up getting released, um, and they both felt like 
it was kind of a big slap in the face as far as not being able to be given a fair shot on the main roster, especially since they got such a big opportunity and a big push all of a sudden when they were in NXT. Any other final thoughts on that one? Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Once again, that was brought to you by WrestlingNews.com. One one thing. I noticed uh, something happened on the weekend with Scarlett Bordeaux hitting, like she she got in the ring on some indie show, <laughs> attacked or nutted a guy that was like twice her size, and then did a Canadian destroyer. And... I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. That's just insane. I don't know why that was. That was at uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling. I was actually I at that show. I yeah, was at it was. That show. Oh, okay. Well, it, it's it's ridiculous. So, that's just like if I if I'm looking at the future right there, that's not the best impression I'm getting. But you know, whatever. I mean, that's that's wrestling these days. Anybody can do anything to anybody. So, whatever. Right. You got to spend disbelief, my friend. That's what they want you to believe. Nope. Not me. Uh, our next topic is Adam Cole talks about Johnny Gargano possibly signing with AEW. So, and this is brought to you once again by WrestlingNews.com. So what was happening here is Adam Cole was being interviewed and he was talking about uh, the recent additions to AEW, people that were WWE staples, specifically those that were in NXT and that he basically really put Johnny Gargano over and said, not only did we have great matches together, he was a great guy to work with. I feel like I aligned myself with his philosophies on wrestling and his outlook. But on top of that, he's a great man, and I think he's going to do a great job as a parent. When he talked about what would Gargano do after his contract expired, he did believe, this is Cole, that Johnny will take some time off after the birth of his child because Johnny is very much family-oriented and wants to make sure that he soaks up every second of this child experience, which I think we you know, can't uh, fault him for wanting to do that. Um, but he did say, and this was Adam Cole, that I would love to get a chance to work with Johnny, and I think Johnny would have some great opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Johnny's even said on his Twitch channel that he's got a tremendous amount of respect for people like Kenny Omega and the Bucks and a lot of other guys that are currently in AEW. So I guess the big question would be, do we think that either before or maybe after the birth of the child, Johnny will go back to WWE? Or do we think that he's going to go to AEW? Because originally a lot of people in, in NXT thought that Johnny was definitely going to come back and sign. As part of the old guard, they thought he would wrestle, but he would be more transition to be a backstage producer and a coach instead of being called up to the main roster. Johnny says he still wants to wrestle. He's got some bucket matches that he'd like to have. Let me throw it to you first, Mike. Do you think he's wanting to fulfill some of these bucket wishes before his bump card is filled? Or do you think, nah, he's probably going to head back to the gold and black where it's been home for him for so many years? At this point, it could be either or. I mean, we still got the elements of surprise in pro wrestling. It's There is some unpredictability in it. Um, however, it would be nice to see him have his uh, list of dream matches, kind of what we saw with Brian Danielson. Um, but there's just something about him in NXT that just makes it special 
And without his presence, it is a lot different, whether it's black and gold or 2.0. I like that. Very, very interesting take here. Uh, the but, what, what's your thoughts on what do you think he's most likely to do? Because I do believe his wife still, uh, even though she's going to be or she is out on maternity, that she's still under contract with WWE. So that means whatever time that she misses – that would just be tacked on to the end of her contract. What's your what's your thoughts on that? Would you go back to NXT because you both work for the company, or would you still want to fulfill some of these bucket matches? I hope he goes back to NXT. Personally, uh, I don't want to see him go to the main roster. I don't want to see nothing to do with that. It's pointless for him to go to AEW. There's already too much going on there. He's either going to get lost in the shuffle or somebody else is going to get lost in the shuffle. Uh, he's an NXT guy. He'll always be an NXT guy. Resign there, whether he, you know, becomes a, a part-time wrestler, part-time trainer, coach slash producer, whatever. That's fine. He's still there. I mean, there's still wear left on the tires. He can still wrestle. He can still go. I I don't think you would want to bring him back to NXT to make him the guy. I think you. would want to use him hopefully to put over the younger talent not make him a jobber i don't mean that but you know have him push some of the younger talent you no know, he can put off a damn good match with just about anybody and i'm not saying if he went to aew he couldn't have some bloody good matches it's just there's already enough going on over there there's just there's no room for him sure so i think nxt is the ticket for him Fair and they'll enough. take good care of him um Liam, I mean, obviously, you know, when it comes to Johnny Gargano, bucket matches, talks about Omega, talks about a bunch of other people, would love to work with Adam Cole again. They had some great matches. Or do you stick with WWE? Do you re-sign with him shortly after the birth of your child? Where do you think his mind is at? Where do you think most likely he's going to end up? Well, his mind is he's exploring his options, which he should be. You'd be stupid not to at this rate. Um, you can look at it like a lot of wrestlers in the past when there's two major organizations or at least two competing organizations. You look at the fact that, okay, well, I'm sitting out for a bit. I'm a free agent. I'll pretend I'm talking to someone else, and then that'll drive up my price. It's a bargaining chip. I'm not saying he'll do that. It doesn't seem like the type, but I think, though, that he would do well to stay with WWE but on the on the other hand of what everybody else is talking about I don't think he would belong in NXT anymore he's done everything uh is like I was saying a couple of weeks ago you know they could bring him back and into NXT and then put over uh that guy that Grayson Waller put him over um he's the guy that attacked him put him over but have a real good few going but just ultimately have that guy go over that helps elevate the, uh grayson waller and then gargano can move on <sighs> i'm not saying he should necessarily go to the main roster because you know it's a death spot for a lot of people but i mean what else is there to do in wwe on the flip side go to AEW and get lost in the shuffle uh it, they have way, way too many people right now. Kyle O'Reilly going there is like, holy shit. Like, 
can we can we fit any more people on our roster? It's becoming like WCW. It's it's getting just it's overinflated. So there's no it's not to say that he couldn't have some great matches there. You could do him on a per appearance basis, and I'd be completely fine with that. I do not want to see him sign there though. Get him get him against Brian Danielson. Get him against uh uh, Twinkle Toes McFinger Bang. Get him against uh, uh, any number of uh, people, right? But don't have him as a permanent, re- you know, member of their roster because it's just, it's it's overinflated right now. It's 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 too much. So it's WWE or somewhere else. I would think right now. Fair enough. Very very interesting. Uh, anybody want to throw any final comments in on that one before we move along? No. <laughs> um, we kind of talked about this the written night earlier today. Well, with Omicron running wild, brother, Omicron. in the United States right now, it's interesting because AEW has officially uh, continued their testing. However, WWE has decided that they are no longer going to be testing people. Now, with a lot of their hubs in the Northeast, you know, New York and D.C., Virginia, West Virginia, all of that area, do you feel like that's a good idea to say, you know what, we're just going to pull the plug on testing people? Because there have been a lot of people who have not been on house shows, and there has been a rumor floating around that many people have gotten sick. And that's why some people have not been on some of these uh, more big profiled shows and they've had to throw cards together at the last minute because many people just aren't able to come. Um, but first throw this out to Liam. We'll start off with you. What's your thoughts on the whole, you know what? We're not testing anymore. We feel like this is pretty much done with smart or wow. I can't believe they're that dumb. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be the most PC guy in the world um, with this, especially uh, but you got to kind of wonder if they're not like I haven't been paying attention to the news too much, but it seems like they're one of the only organizations that's kind of going like, eh, not a big deal. Um, Omicron seems to be running completely rampant or running wild, as Hulk Hogan would say. And uh, it seems like it's not nearly as bad as the previous variants. However, as Finkel would say. However, there seems to be, um, you know, a ridiculous amount of cases going up. The ICUs are getting clogged up. Why would they not think that this is, you know, protocol that they should be taking like they would as usual? Um, they were a little late to the dance, it seemed like, on, on getting the proper testing and all that done originally when everything was starting to happen and uh march 2020 around there and now it's like why would you not just keep up with what everybody else is doing just it's not even like like i said i'm not trying to be pc about it but i mean it's a head scratcher yeah it's kind of like if you're a major organization in the world a publicly traded company you would think you do not want to you know make waves in the news so try your very best to make sure that everybody's taken care of in the best possible way. If breakouts happen, they happen. Nothing you can do about that if you're taking proper precautions. But I think everybody got relaxed enough with the last wave. Everything was starting to go down. And then this new variant started up. 
everything went ballistic, right? It's killing my province right now. Uh, Buck can attest to that. We're having like 10,000 cases a day. I mean, if that doesn't signal something crazy to you, I don't know what will. But they need to stay on the same path they were and take this seriously because if it's all about the bottom dollar for them, uh, you know, what? how are you going to make any money if there's all your fans are dead, you know, or sick? You're not going to make any money on that. So let's get with the times. Not to be so blunt, but holy shit. No, no, I agree with you completely. Mike, what's your take on this one? Are you a little surprised by just the complacency, if that's the right word to use, or just the, the, the lack of urgency when it comes to something like this? Or do you think that they're just completely just tired and the hell with it at this point? I, I think that's the mindset that they're going through, but I also think they're being very stupid about it as well, not trying to sound basic about it i mean we are past what a year of this pandemic almost two years almost two and i feel like we're going more backwards than anything um not as just WWE, to be the uh the company but uh as a country as well too as soon as the numbers start getting lower just giving us that little piece of freedom we get an inch, we try to take it a, a mile. And uh, there's a difference between safety and people who are using their self-entitlement to uh, make an ass out of themselves. In a situation like this, I take this personally as someone who had worked in the health field and family all caught COVID. You know, something like this shouldn't be taken as a joke. But Sadly, people want to give conspiracy theories. I'm not going into that topic of politics or not because I'm not that person. But people want to wave that flag until that same incident happened to them. Then they want to play victim. Yeah. Pro wrestling is no different. I agree. Well said. Uh, the Butster, you surprised by WWE or maybe not surprised, but just disappointed? I'm surprised this is fucking stupid. Uh, let, let's not beat around the bush with it. This is just dumb. You, you can't do this. Next thing, somebody's going to get sick. Heaven forbid somebody ends up kicking off. Why? Because Vince is being a fucking numbskull? Listen, guys, like it or lump it, if you want to be one of those tinfoil hat-wearing psychos that don't believe it, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. It's the real deal. Whether we like it or not, this is the facts. This is life. No, we are in a pandemic. You know, they got to be testing people. I mean, NHL is testing. NBA is testing. Uh, I assume the NFL is. I'm yes, not sure. Uh, I know right now we had the World Junior Hockey Championships going on. Uh, that's in Alberta. Uh, they're testing every day. Uh, there's a couple players for Team USA actually uh, tested positive, so Team USA had to forfeit a game. You, you got to test. It's just the way it is. If you're going to be bringing all these people in, all this talent in, you know, they're traveling together or whatnot, they're staying at hotels together, it only takes one to be sick. You want Roman Reigns getting sick? Really? You, you think that's a smart idea? You're 
whoever came up with this idea that we're not going to test anymore, are they that stupid that they can't see the forest for the trees here? Like, this is, you can't do this. This is nonsense. This is foolish. And, and I'm not a, a, a cancel culture guy, but I hope they get a bit of kick in the hind end over this, maybe to smarten up and be like, ah, oh, yeah, this is that shit can happen. Because like Liam said, look at us here in Ontario. 10,000 cases a day. Yep. No restaurants are at half capacity now. Uh, bars are at half half capacity. Uh, I, I had tickets for um, for a theater show for New Year's Eve. They're completely closed up altogether. That's Royal Alex. The restaurant we had reservations for for New Year's Eve. Closing up for two weeks, his numbers are so bad. There's bars and restaurants here that don't have enough staff to open. They're not even opening because the numbers are atrocious here in Kingston. Three weeks ago, we had 20-some-odd cases. Four weeks ago, now we're up to 1,700. That's a pretty big jump. There's only 120,000 people live in this city. Right. That's a huge number. Schools are getting closed down because numbers are so bad right now. It's not the time. And then this entitlement bullshit, they, they can go fuck their hat, too. I'm tired of those cocksuckers. Well, several top WWE stars are sidelined from shows this past week because they either tested positive for the virus or were in contact with someone who had tested positive. Now, Fightful Select reported uh, the Performance Center talent were informed that this past weekend that they no longer are requiring the twice-weekly COVID testing that had been mandatory since the beginning of the pandemic. Also, main roster talent were also informed via an email that weekly testing is no longer being used. It's unclear whether there was any vaccination qualifier for this or what other rulings or specifications uh, were in addition to this email. However, it was also added that news of testing no longer being required didn't sit well with some uh, WWE's talent, and it doesn't look good on them as far as how shorthanded they already are heading into this week. So it's it's not only ruffling feathers uh, in NXT, but on the main roster as well. And once again, until this thing gets under control, it just it's not a good image. Um, it doesn't present confidence in your shareholders that you are doing everything you can to uh, take care of their investment as well, because they're obviously putting a lot of money into you. So if you're not going to take care of that, then then what's the point? Liam? Oh, I was I was just gonna say, um, kind of go with the philosophy that I use usually. Um, don't take this as the gospel unless there's an announcement about it. Um, it's not to say that, that there isn't some truth in this, but I'm sure it's probably stretched a bit. Um, so let's let's try to give them the benefit of the doubt in some way. Um, it, we wouldn't be surprised probably if they did 100% do this, but let's. Unless we get an actual statement from them as just coming from a dirt sheet, I don't trust it 100%. That's all I'm going to say. That's fair enough. Completely fair. Um, the final topic I want to talk about here is an interview that was done with Shawn Michaels. And this is from, once again, WrestlingNews.co. Um, and the author of this is Andrew Ravens. This was published uh, December the 24th. And basically the interview was with uh, Denise from Fightful. And basically, Sean was asked the question, how do you feel about the most recent 
departures from WWE, specifically in NXT, which were you and Triple H were the ones running the show for such a long time before it got taken over by um, Bruce and, and Vince. And she specifically named names like Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and potentially um, a Johnny Gorgano. And Michaels basically said he has had a blast working with all of these young talent. Uh, he did have one very interesting thing to say, and this is what's kind of going to be our debate question right here. Sean said, you know, there's basically two different routes that you can go. You can either be very happy and fulfilled creatively, and you can do what you want to do and feel fulfilled in that capacity, or you can obviously work and maybe compromise your creativeness or potentially your happiness but have a really big fat bank account at the end of the day and he respects everyone for their own individual decisions it's up to them he loves them all he wishes all of them all the success but he said i would be completely lying if i said i don't miss them he also said working in nxt is what brought him back to sports entertainment he was very happily retired um and he basically kind of fell out of love with sports entertainment but when triple h called him and asked him if he would want to come down NXT just kicked off, and it was amazing. And um, he said that's what rejuvenated him into wanting to be a part of wrestling. So the bank account or the creativity and being happy in your career, obviously in not many cases can you have both. I'm going to throw it to Mike first. What's your thoughts on this one, uh, the comments that Sean had made? I mean, um, I can agree with Sean. I mean, this is coming from a wrestler who – has went both routes, both the payoff and the creativity uh, freedom. So, and I can understand how he would feel about not missing him. It's just like, you know, if you're a parent and you're seeing your child graduate high school and they're going off to college and explore a new world. It, he, he also, in that interview, compared it to that. So... At the same time, he does enjoy the current class of 2.0 and the relationships that he's building with them. So even though, yes, he missed the, the I guess, the centerpiece of the black and gold brand, um, it also gives him a chance to build those new relationships with 2.0 as well and help, you know, rebuild that rap work that he did with the black and gold brand, you know. No, I agree from there. It's an interesting dichotomy between, and this is not just wrestling, but this is any occupation, Mike. Would you agree you can, sometimes you can take the road of making money and, and being miserable and, and aggravated at work, but you're getting a fat payday or take a route where you might not make as much, but you actually like rolling out of bed and going to work. I mean, I think at some point in time, we've all kind of faced that road of what do we do? Um, I know I faced it. I worked in finance. I made ridiculous money. But I absolutely hated it. And then I, you know, I realized what I enjoy doing is mentoring and I make substantially less, but I do enjoy what I do and I can see the impact that you have. And I think that actually is what a lot of people look for. You know, a lot of people don't get that payoff. And I don't mean, you know, monetarily wise, but the payoff for, oh, I see what my input is doing, you know, so I think it's interesting, and I think that's kind of kind of what Sean was getting at. Uh, let's start over to the butt. What's your take on the comments of Sean and 
Does it seem like a different Shawn Michaels to you? He's grown up. He's not a jackass like he used to be. He's, he's just, he's calmed down a bit. No, it's a well-known fact. He was not a pleasant person, to put it mildly. He's just, he's grown up a bit. He's maybe seen the error of his ways, and he's, now he's more of a, a mentor as opposed to burying guys and stabbing people in the back and just being an all-around scumbag. But for regards to the, the pick-in, you know, do you want the creative happiness or do you want the money? I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad person, but I'm, I'm going for the cash. I, I don't care. Like I, give me the money. I'll get my bills paid off, get some stuff sorted out that way. And then once I got a little bit of a nest egg, then we can go to, to the more I'm doing it for the love and the play-in and all that stuff. I That's the way I am in my life now. So that's my take on that. I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know, take care of your bills and build yourself a nest egg, and then hopefully you don't die before you get a chance to enjoy it all, I guess. So much <laughs> right. uh, Mr. Savage, what's your take on this one? And have you ever been in a situation where you can go one of two ways? He goes both ways. I, I do not, so don't oh, speak for me. Um, <laughs> speak for yourself, maybe. I don't know. Um, so as far as that goes, no, I mean, like, it's true. You want to, you want to hit like an equal, an equal line where it's like, okay, I'm enjoying myself and I'm getting paid for it. I mean, what's better than that? Right. Right. Um, problem is in wrestling, it's going to be, man, it, it would be very hard unless you were say like Undertaker or Bret Hart, one of those legend people to actually be able to say you know i love what i do and i'm getting paid a great amount for it uh i can't totally fault someone that just thinks okay well like kevin owens right uh everybody's reporting that he took a, a new contract and probably made a lot more i would assume as he should and he's got a family right what's what's wrong with that you know know how much you're making in advance say okay i'm gonna set this and this aside this is going to savings this is going to whatever like you know and there's nothing wrong with that but you know you could ideally say like okay kevin owens could take that and then take it to the end of his contract make a boatload of money have it all set aside and then be like, okay, AEW, here I come. New Japan, here I come. Whatever, right? And that could be the end of his career, where he's really enjoying himself at the end of his career. Now, Shawn Michaels, he doesn't need to worry about anything. He's the guy is on everybody's Mount Rushmore, it seems. Not mine personally, but he's he's up there. Sure. And for him to say, okay, well, you know what? When I saw NXT the way it was, I got my passion back. I totally get that because I wasn't really feeling wrestling that much until I started seeing NXT and I was, this is what I want. This is what I want. I want to watch this. This reminds me the closest as I'm going to get to my late teens, early twenties when I was really enjoying it. And I'm not going to find that again. And I haven't found it since, since they've kind of gone down. 
but for Michaels to identify with it with them and say you know what like i really appreciate everything they did um as far as the release talent um he's obviously gonna he made relationships there he's a coach he helps run nxt to what extent nobody knows we're not gonna know we're not privileged enough but he is in the mix and for him to speak on all those wrestlers like he did shows that he obviously has some connection to them he obviously cares and he obviously wants the best for them and like i said there's nothing wrong with making that money but at the same time you can make the money and you can be creatively tapped like do i get my creativity eh, not so much but i'm making a good paycheck or it can be the complete opposite you have to find that perfect balance if you're not finding it then i don't know what to say i mean it, it's a weird world in wrestling right now. Very weird. And if you think that you have it all figured out as far as who's going to be the perfect balance, you don't. Well, that is all of the topics that I have for the panel tonight. Um, I'm going to throw this out here. Does anybody have anything that has sparked their interest or, you know, kind of made them pause and ponder for a second? Is there anything out there? I'll... Can I mention one thing? Absolutely. Um, it wasn't brought up on here. Um, not due to anybody's fault, but uh, what happened with the Jimmy Rave? Yes. Um, that wasn't brought up here. Uh, just want to, you know, put that out there that um, whether it was drugs or dirty rings or whatever, he got a MRSA infection and that's what ended up killing him. And when you really look at his uh you know his downfall there as far as when he lost his leg and then he lost his arm after that and then he's probably gonna lose another arm and you know i guess maybe thankfully he got put out of his misery because i can't imagine living with no limbs that it's insane but um, he was as positive as he could be at the end, uh, listening to his interview with Chris Jericho uh, that got put out a, about a week ago. And uh, I think it's an important reflection for us as fans and for people in business to look at that and say, like, you know, we're blessed to be able to, you know, be able to walk around and, you know, be able to grab things like very simple things. And for the wrestlers to be able to perform their moves and still be able to walk into arenas and everything, um, it's it just makes you think. And uh, I feel for his family. And, uh, you know, hope he's at peace now. Well said. Well said. So RIP, Jimmy Rave, we're definitely uh, thinking about your family and your friends, especially during this very difficult time. Um, it's, it's just it's horrible when you hear these kind of stories that come out and especially the way all of that went down, which is, I can't begin to process what that would be like. I can't. And, you know, as you said before, to be so positive as someone is struggling, not only physically, but mentally with everything that is happening and, and so unknown what the future is going to hold for you is, is not something I think, that most of our brains can even comprehend. So, um, the Butster, you got anything lastly on your mind? No. 
I hope everybody had a, a Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or whatever doesn't upset somebody. And we're looking forward to a Happy New Year and everybody's safe and healthy and content. You know, uh, that's about it. Uh, be decent, look after one another. You know, uh, try to be a half decent person. And tune in to Cult of Brito Thursday night at 8. <laughs> nice little plug there. I like it. Plug. Uh, Mike Cook, uh, any last final thoughts about the world of wrestling as we sit right now? Um, other than the obvious, just uh, glad to be back on another Tuesday night and, you know, talking about the world of wrestling with the uh, brotherhood that is FRM. And uh, since Mr. But wanted to plug it in. I guess I can do a double plug. Uh, the final show of the year tomorrow night on Wednesday. Um, and then the final Thirsty Thunder Thursday, right after Colt of Beardo. Um, Beardo will be a special guest on the final Thirsty Thunder Thursday um, as well. So, uh, you know, look forward to doing that. Wednesday we'll have Moondog. Uh, we'll have Marie Shadows as guests on the show, so it's just pretty much going to be uh, one good time for the end of the year, you know. And once again, as always, uh, thank you to Mike Freeland and everyone at Front Row Material for having me on once again. Oh, I won! By the way, best panel member, <laughs> won two for two in twenty twenty two. So. Uh, now that I got the humbleness, humbleness of the way, I had to add a little bit of arrogance to it also. There's a fucking shocker. <laughs> yeah. That's why you lost, but you lost, Liam. Now, Anton, I, he's probably the only one that would say, hey, sorry about your luck. I give zero fucks about losing this one. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Not only did you guys lost, but I had, what, 53% of the votes? Oh, yes. I got bragging rights. That tells you people right now. You can have 53% of the go fucking stuff too. You can't get mad. You can't get mad. I didn't have to put no work into it. I said, hey, I can't vote. What the fuck do I have to be mad about? Whatever. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Hey, hey, put yourself in the red zone. Because I'm in the gold zone. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have you some food because this is over soon and I won't have to see you for a week. Oh, oh my God! Hey, I love you too. Terrible. Oh my God! Hey, come on, it's all love. Without you guys, F R M wouldn't be what? I love if you took a long heart suck on my ass. How about that? Oh my come God! On, man. You are. Come oh, on, I watch Colter Beardo for you guys. I never miss an episode on Thursdays. We even do a live watch along of the show just to support it. Come on! I don't blame you. And Jesus, it is all oh quality video. Hey, well, not just that, you bitch. Without Colton Beardo, we wouldn't have a Thirsty Thunder Thursday. So yeah, you're welcome. I, hey, oh I give you guys much credit for that. And I deserve all of it. Oh my Every god! Bit. Get off my lawn, man. Get out of here. Does you guys say I'm pissy? Holy shit! I know. Holy hell! I love, I love fucking with you, Mister Bird, but. So, I would love if you stepped in front of a bus. 
Oh my oh. god. Oh my god. Oh, come on, man. You are one terrible. <laughs> you're terrible. You're absolutely I had, terrible. Look, I had to come to your area and shave your beard off. Yeah, good luck with that. All right, guys. <laughs> we have enjoyed it. It is the last show of the year. We appreciate everybody who went ahead and participated in the voting. We appreciate everybody who came into the chat. Thank you so very much, ECW fan. Based Kip, uh, J Rod Numero Uno, the Boogster as well. Um, I know I'm going to be leaving some people out. I am Wayne514. Uh, Happy New Year's uh, from the Philippines. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We really do appreciate that. Uh, I think it's the first time somebody's actually commented on where they are listening from, but we appreciate that and we appreciate all your support. Uh, who else do I want to make sure that I give some shout outs to? Can we shout uh, out uh, Anton? Yes, Anton. Anton's uh, dealing with a personal matter right now. I'm not going to delve on it more than that because well, he told me about it, but um, we're thinking about you and uh, hopefully uh, you'll be back soon. Absolutely. Where's uh, Mikey Starks? Is he stuck in like Baby Gap or something? They couldn't get out today? Toddler <laughs> Gap. Toddler Gap. Toddler Gap. Toys R Us. Yeah. Bernice Pierce, I want to say thank you to you as well. I'm just completely ignoring all of you right now because this is just ridiculous. But first of all, you need to bury the hatchet with Mikey Starks. You need to bury the hatchet. Me? Need... I like Mikey Starks. No, I'm talking about uh I'm talking about me. George yeah. Boone oh. over here. Yeah, tell tell him to learn to talk like he's got a sixth grade education. Oh, oh no, we fine. You are terrible. Hey, yeah. not my fault. It's got American education supporting him. What do you want? And welcome wow. to the Miserable Canadian Show. Wow. Tread oh. lightly. Oh, my goodness. All right, guys. It's been fun. It's been awesome. We can't thank you enough for joining us and supporting us for the entire year of 2021. For Anton, for Mike Cook, for The Butt, for The Rid, for Liam Savage, I am Mike Freeland. Continue to support wrestling podcasts as well. Not only ours, uh, the Mark uh, Pod Order. Uh, go ahead and support them. You can support Shining Wizards podcasts. Any other M- Michael Order podcast? What other podcasts out there should people go ahead and download? Um, personally, I would say the Don Tony Show. Yes. Um, great show. And Blue Meanie. Blue Meanie yeah, definitely I'll- Mind of the Meanie. I'm part of his uh, pod squad. But I would also. Freeland, okay, he's gone. Uh, I would <laughs> good riddance, but I'd uh, also like to say, um, everybody support our YouTube. Uh, we did a live cast tonight on there for the first time. We'd like to get more people on there. Um, it doesn't matter what you choose if you choose Twitch or YouTube, but we'd like to be able to see more people getting onto our YouTube, uh, enjoying that, seeing what we have to offer. Uh, we will hopefully in the new year have some exclusive content going up on there. So it wouldn't hurt to subscribe, to uh, watch our channel, and to uh, make sure that you're, um, you know, paying attention to what we do on all facets of our social media. Well said. Well said as well. Thank you. I also like to thank uh, all of our guests who have joined us over the course of 2021, and specifically Angelina Love who joined us for this last interview. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed that. It was a tremendous, tremendous fun, and it was an hour that flew by like you wouldn't believe. And we are actually going to be setting up a part two and maybe a part three with her as well. 
because I think there's so much more meat on the bone. All right, I've talked enough. So with that being said, for everyone, once again, I am Mike Freeland. Thank you for a great 2021. We can't wait to see you on the flip side on 2022. But before we get there, don't forget Cult of Beardo coming up this Thursday night. Mike, you got your shows that are going to be coming up on, what was it, Thursday night? Wednesday night and Thursday night. And Thursday night. That is perfect. Guys, follow them on social media. And I'm Mike Freeland. We'll talk to you next year on Front Row Material.